Welcome to the 50 million download Q&A session with Jim and Aaron. It's our new official podcast. Every download we get, we're going to be doing one of these. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, 50 million and one, 50 million and two. We're probably more like 54, 55 million. Yeah, it's... We, we Game of Thrones season hit and just, you We know, slept on this one for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like we were, yeah. It, uh, it, uh, we, we wanted to actually reach the broadest number of fans because this is kind of a nice thank you for the fans. And uh, so we, uh, we we held on to, to Game of Thrones season, but unfortunately we couldn't didn't have time to record it until afterwards. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, that's, uh, we're 50 million 50 million downloads is a lot of downloads and counting yeah i mean this is not only for the fans i think this is also the one uh the one time of year i don't know these seem to be almost yearly where we sort of do some self-congratulatory stuff uh i think 50 million is an insane number of downloads something i thought if you had told me in 2010 when we started this oh by the way in a decade you're gonna have 50 million downloads i would have laughed in your face yeah and said how can that possibly happen we're just two dudes in the middle of nowhere talking into microphones we know nothing uh and yet here we are here we are and it's it's astounding it is i I can't believe that we're here there are times when the right show is on the air game of thrones um that we are the among the biggest podcasts around and then there's other shows where we kind of fade back to the obscurity that we're more comfortable in uh, our, our D our D list internet uh, uh, fame, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it's it's incredible that we that we reach those heights and just have like you know it's it's always interesting when you know you hear from someone that's you know been around since like season four of Breaking Bad and how many of those people that we still have around and um, you know I just feel a big debt to all of the fandom, obviously. Um, the people that uh, send the, the people that listen, the people that send in feedback, the people to participate in the forums, the people to make me laugh on social media. Um, you know, double thanks go to all the club members because you people honestly are what keeps bald move going. Like mm-hmm. we don't get a, a lot of ad revenue. Um, you know, our, I remember one of our goals when we first set out to make bald move profitable was like, we would like to establish at least a third of our income coming directly from the fans. Cause we thought that would be a nice little security blanket because that's something no one can take away from you. Like you can lose your yeah. advertising, you can lose sponsorships, you can lose, you know, uh, affiliate links. And we have, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but as long as you don't piss off the fans, as long as you're true to your, you know, as long as you're true to yourself, then, then that's something stable. And we, we have like, you know, 85 90% of our uh, revenue coming from our fans. So that feels uh un- unbelievably nice and secure. Yeah. Uh also like to thank uh some of our moderators like at the forums we've got uh Alcade, Cretan Bull, D Murder Bear uh in and in, in addition to myself and and Jim and Cecily uh that kind of keep the peace there and enforce the rules. Appreciate you guys uh, keeping 24-hour watch on that situation and then uh twitch it's 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 harder because uh Cecily and i got drunk one night and just moderated everybody in the chat uh but i know some people that have been doing a lot of work in the last few weeks and months as nars fuzzy snuggle kitty uh counterfeit really helped me get things going uh with nightbot back in the beginning c drive josh the black gelato king people i've seen actively moderating the last few weeks so thanks for that um and then finally the other thing that's been real fun is people sending us stuff mm-hmm uh, and over the years, we've gotten everything from uh, Young Pope Kangaroos, which was a kangaroo dressed as a pope, <laughs> uh, 
uh, dragon glass daggers. Uh, we received numerous ravens from King's Landing. Sexy posters of Rob Lowe. These 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 fucking Yeti cups that I can't even live without anymore. Uh, so many movies and books and video games and T-shirts and a life-size Paul Giamatti. Like we, we've we've gotten a lot of fun stuff. And uh, thanks uh, to everybody that's, that sent that. Like it's I, I can't wait to get the new studio up and running so that we can show. Like we yeah. we ran out of room at, at the old place and we just started like storing the stuff. But now we're hoping to get all that stuff out um, and and show it off. So. A lot of love, a lot mm-hmm. of love we've gotten over the years, and uh, uh, it just—I uh, I, I know I, I just never feel like I, I do a good enough job of expressing it, um, but it means a lot. It is a strange, humbling experience to have this much people uh, that you don't know care about you. Yeah, I mean that's the thing you can't <laughs> express your gratitude to each of them individually, right? This is like yeah. the the time that we get to do this. Yeah. So. And we've met, it's you know, cool. like we've had the opportunity to meet hundreds of different people as mm-hmm. we go around the country to different, uh, you know, cons and expos and uh, different, different events. And we've ha- held our own and hopefully we'll do some more of those in the future. So, yeah, if you ever have an opportunity, uh, come come and, and, and say hi if we're ever out there. Um, but, yeah, it, it'd be great if we could personally thank everybody. Um, but uh, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we do enough to make you guys feel special. Mm-hmm. Um because you know honestly we spend a lot of time thinking about uh what you guys want what you guys like uh and how how we can a- achieve those goals with our with our budget and time and money uh shall we get to the actual q and a part yeah we have a whole bunch of questions this week uh some of them uh all of them have been premeditated let's mm-hmm. say because a lot of them are pretty involved questions yeah and if we're ever going to take time to answer those type of not so off the cuff questions. Now's probably the time. Uh, let's start off with Travis, who clearly, by way of getting his question read first, is the most important bald move uh, supporter. Yes, the the number one fan, I assume. Yeah, the, these uh, obviously questions ordered in order of how how oh. important a fan you are to bald. Move. Yeah, of course. That's of course. that's clearly not true. Please, uh, please, right. please, please understand humor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Travis says, uh, asks, how many downloads will be enough, you madmen? What does future bald move look like when Aaron is 55 years old and Jim has stayed the same age because he is a robot? Here's to 50 trillion downloads. Um, I don't think we'll get there. Do you take all of our downloads, you divide them by zero, and whatever that number is, that's how many... <laughs> I want a number that breaks the fucking universe. I want your calculator to say, uh-uh, mm-hmm. not even going to try. I want it to be mathematically impossible to calculate the number of downloads that we have. It's an imaginary number. It's an imaginary number. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's not really about the number of downloads. It's more about the number of podcasts. How many mm. podcasts will be enough? Uh, and we're still going strong after 10 years, so I don't, I don't really see a huge uh, stopping point to this. More pods for the pod god. More cast for the cast yeah. throne. He demands it. Uh, I yeah. There, there's other questions that kind of uh, better st- uh, uh, strike to the heart of like where we see things because I think that's what people want to know. Like where do we see this thing going? Uh, might shock you to know that we don't know. We didn't. A lot didn't, of times, yeah. We didn't see this. I honestly, I five years ago, I'd have never saw us here. Five years before that, I wouldn't have seen us at that position. So, but mm-hmm. I do think there is a desire from both of us to maybe. Over the next year or so, now that as we'll explain, there's there's things that we've achieved a little bit more stability to maybe come up with a three to five year 
plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll get to that. Greg's up next. Do you guys get nervous when releasing content? Approximately how many burritos? Oh, wait, let's maybe take these one at a time. Oh, Do you spoilers. guys ever get, ever get nervous when releasing content? I used to. I don't anymore. There's sometimes where we're trying something new or it's a new show or, you know, stuff that's like important to us that I feel like I don't. I want to get things right and I don't want to make mistakes and I want to put our best foot forward and I get nervous about that kind of stuff. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, am I going to do this good enough? Um, is this the year where everyone catches up to us and, and beats us at our own game? Like there's just kind of that nervousness, but it's like, oh God, what am I out here doing talking about stuff? No, not so much. I mean, I constantly worry. Yeah. Like I would describe like the, the content I released that you might be talking about as being nervous is more like i'm worrying about it like mm-hmm. are people gonna care about this did i do a good enough job on editing it did i miss anything you know that i, I fucked up an edit somewhere that that kind of stuff more I mean, just like oh i'm stressed out about the yeah. logistics of it all yeah, yeah yeah uh not so much like oh i've got to record this thing and i get nervous maybe we should worry more because like i i, I just think it's funny that like uh we did this big Paul Giamatti Christmas thing last year, and we spent so much fucking time on that. Mm-hmm. And never once did I think, did anyone, will anyone actually want to see this? Maybe we, we should, turns out maybe we should have asked that question because yeah, the answer was like, what did you guys make and who was it for? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we made it for us. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the, at the end of the day, yeah, that was. Definitely... But I, it, I wasn't worried. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't like, no. oh, this is going to make people stop liking us. It was more just like, yeah, it's fun. So. Uh, secondly, Greg says approximately how many burritos has Jim eaten in the time it took to reach 50 million downloads? Well, I mean, that's, we've so, been hmm. doing this for like, like, so, so they reach 50 million. So that starts with blue yonder where we're almost, we're going on 10 next March. We're going to go on 10 years of bald move. But like when we really started racking up numbers was like three years after that, right? When we started doing breaking bad. Mm-hmm. So so we've so we've had about seven years of downloads. So three sixty five times seven. Like, is that right? I'm, I mean, every work we day, did a podcast every single week for yeah. until we shut down Blue Yonder. Yeah, and there were seventy seven episodes. Yeah, it's only like a year and a half. So I think we're more like eight and a half years of really hitting download numbers that matter. How many? So that's the other question I have. Is like, I mean. It's a joke, but you know joke eat a shit ton of burritos. Yeah, so my, my burrito habit so coincided. Like Monday through Friday, you're hitting 80% of those at least, right? Yeah, I'm estimating 200 burritos a year. 200 burritos a year? And I feel like that might be conservative. Uh, yeah. I don't eat burritos on the weekends because I dine with my girlfriend. Uh-huh. Uh, she's viciously anti-burrito. She's just not as into it, you know? <laughs> and I can't blame her. Nobody, uh-huh. hardly anyone is into it as much as I am. Uh-huh. Which probably burritos. Uh, so two hundred a year is what I estimate. So and that's I've, uh, I've been it, living here for five years uh-huh. uh, in Cincinnati, and that's when it started. Because I don't know that I had had any oh, Chipotle burritos before okay. that. Maybe a couple. Uh, so that's like a thousand burritos. Thousand burritos. I'm gonna say I'm at a thousand burritos. One milla burrito. A, a K. Yeah, yeah. One K. A kilo burrito. <laughs> right. I could have eaten one kilo burrito, but instead I've eaten a thousand. 
burritos. I wonder how many by weight. Like what, the, those, uh, those are pretty beefy. Like the two, two and a half pound burrito, maybe. Yeah, it's a lot of. You might have eaten a metric ton of burrito. A burrito? God, wow. Okay. Uh, all right, that does it for Greg. Uh, before that, I was kind of the same way with Jimmy John's, though. Uh, I would eat a Jimmy John's sandwich basically every day after work. Judging by how many cups you had in your kitchen, you were at what one point by uh, about that about the hot box pizza too. Yeah, you had approximately seventy three uh-huh. hot box pizza cups in in, <laughs> in your kitchen cupboard at one point. Yep. All right, Jeffrey uh, says, besides starting a global empire, what is your greatest accomplishment? Uh, that's. I've premeditated this one. I mean, I premeditated too, but I think like I just these these answers are tough. Like greatest accomplishment, like I, I'm supposed to say, my marriage or marry or you know uh, raising a, a pretty interesting 12 year old um, that that I love and admire a lot. Uh, but I feel like those are also very trite. Yeah, yeah, it's. But they're also. I mean, they're trite for a reason, right? Yeah. These are like the biggest milestones in everyone's life. So. Yeah, yeah, they're big deals. Yeah. I think you're allowed to answer uh, a son or a marriage or okay. So it's like I, I mean, other things like recently I've been proud of is like I went from zero to sailing in like two or three years, and last year I sailed to a deserted island in Lake Michigan and camped there for like three days just with a 15 foot sailboat and what we were able to stuff inside of it. I thought that was pretty fucking cool. Uh, probably my biggest accomplishment outside of like bald move and, you know, building a huge global empire, as he said, uh, is getting back into shape when I was mm. in my late twenties. Cause I was extremely out of shape. I was 40, 50 pounds overweight. Uh, and I decided, you know what? I feel like shit. I look like shit. Let me get back on track here. And I did it. I spent like two years working out and eating better and, uh, ended up in the best shape of my life. I'm not in that shape anymore, but I've pretty much kept off most of that weight. I would say I'm in okay shape now, reasonable human shape as opposed to what I was before. No, I, I kind of did that at the same time. And that, that, yeah, like setting that foundation in my early thirties definitely, yeah. um, made it easier. Cause I, I, I let myself go <laughs> and then I've, I've tried to make a comeback in the last year. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot easier when you had that, you know, kind of a foundation to begin, begin from. Yeah, I think like knowing what to do and knowing that it will work if you just do it uh, is pretty empowering. So yeah, that's my probably greatest accomplishment outside of this. Steve would like to know, how did we meet and how do we start Bald Move? How did we meet? Yeah. Uh, like 25 years ago, we met at church. Yep. Uh, my family moved from California back to Indiana, ended up... Uh, in a small rural town where you were going to church. Trade it up. Trade it up. Trade it up. Uh, trade, I often trade, wonder what I'd be like if I lived in California my entire life. Traded shitty old San Diego <laughs> right. for Mooresville, so Indiana. Cal. No one says anything good about SoCal. No, no. Weather's terrible. Yeah, yeah. The, the burritos. Up, the culture, terrible. <laughs> burritos. <laughs> yeah. Burritos, like, subpar. Oh, easily. I mean, what what is what is any burrito place in San Diego got on Chipotle, if we're being honest? Nothing. Um, yeah, so that's that's how we met. Um, we just happened to go to this small rural church, uh, had like 100 people uh, in the congregation, and we were close to the same age and uh, had a lot of similar interests, so we kind of palled around. 
and start a bald move later, obviously 15 years later, um, just as, um, I, I, the, the thing that, mo- that, so there's a couple of inciting of, uh, events that start a bald move. One is that Jim decided to do a podcast like a long time ago, like in the early midst of podcasting. That was like 2006. Yeah. Um, and he did like 12, 11 or 13 episodes of this, like kind of like general nerd interest video game podcast that I had listened to just because uh, he was doing a thing and, um, and a couple of years later, I, you know, we had gotten close again. We were kind of hanging out every week, and you were going to move to Chicago. And it was a suggestion that we start another podcast up because you'd already knew kind of how to do it, and that's something that could keep us like you know interacting with people on a weekly, interacting with each other on a weekly basis and whatnot. And that's kind of how it started. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from there was just us refining it and kind of goofing around and trying to pivot to find an audience. And that's how we ended up with, you know, moving from like video game nerd culture to TV and movies. And the rest is history. By the way, there's, um, we've done a lot of these Q and a podcasts over the years. And if you go to baldmove.com slash about, uh, there is an archive of all those. So like anything we say peaks or interests, like when we refer to, we grew up as Jehovah's witnesses, like, Oh, that's crazy. I want to know more about that. We already have like a two and a half hour podcast recorded just of all the Jehovah's witness questions. So, yeah. uh, if you guys dig this, I encourage uh, you to check that out. And also not for nothing. We do this every week on lunch with Jim and Aaron. Yeah. Uh, if you're a club member, so, Let's move on. Drunicorn. Right? Nope. Oh, it's my turn. Drunicorn says, uh, along this road to auditory stardom, what was the most valuable lesson you learned? You have to take care. Of, you have to maintain yourself. You you have to take care of your health and your well-being and all that because if you don't it'll eventually bite you in the ass in the worst time uh it possibly can you'll end up like kit harrington yeah right going into rehab when your That's show ends how this shit happens yep. you, you you do three months of filming at night trying to defeat a night king that doesn't even really matter and you wind up with stress disorder and alcoholism <laughs> Uh, and I think there's a couple. I, I think there's was a couple off ramps where we could have slid into the alcoholism. For oh yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. If if we kept the let's drink on the show yeah. as a thing. Yeah, we're fun guys. We drink all the time, and now we're doing it uh-huh. full time. So let's start drinking at nine o'clock in the morning and not stop until <laughs> eleven o'clock at night. Some nights, yeah. Uh-huh. That would have led to a nice, healthy place. And you, you'd have of to, course. of course, pick up cocaine to balance it out. Yeah, yeah. Depressants and yeah. and uppers. You, you need your yeah. uppers and downers. Yeah, get some benzos at night to sleep. Cause, you know, because otherwise you'll stay up all night uh <laughs> so that's my lesson what's yours no i think that's a good one uh somebody in my notes forgot to premeditate this one so uh-oh so i don't know who's to blame fire. but i'm coming for you fire jim's assistant yeah you're gone uh hashtag cap hashtag cap i've been to cincinnati on business a few times is nicholson's really as cool as i think it is or is it just traveler's bias admittedly i have a thing for duck fat fries jim i have a confession Mm-hmm. I've never been to Nicholson's. Not only have I never been there, I've never heard of it. It looks cool as fuck. How cool can it be if I've never heard of it? I mean... Uh, so I'm clearly the coolest person in Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think we should uh, make a, a, a field trip for some duck fat fries and uh, okay. some uh, some cocktails at some point. Sounds then good. We'll, on the 100 million downloads, we'll get back with you on that, Cap. All right, let's move on to Mandy who asks, what is your guilty pleasure TV show 
And would you want to review each episode on a podcast? Why or why not? I, I don't really one. have guilty pleasures now. I used to like a lot of like reality, like um, uh, like like Discovery reality, like Monster House, Monster Garage, American Choppers, MythBusters. Yeah. Um, some of those were guiltier than other pleasures, <laughs> um, but I I've, I've, I haven't watched any of those for like ten years. Now it's like. Like my light watching of stuff like Community, Parks and Rec, uh, True Blood, uh, Banshee, Penny Dreadful, Harlots. Um, some of those I podcasted on. Some of them I haven't. I do think that it's got to be like a guilty pleasure would have to be something I don't podcast on, though. Yeah. Because like it fundamentally having to worry about what you're going to say about something fundamentally changes the experience of of enjoying the thing. For sure. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's the Great British Bake Off or Great British Baking Show. I don't know what fucking name it has in what country, but mm-hmm. uh, it's that one. And is it got two? Is it set, set, it's different? Called different things depending on why would that be? I don't know. I guess if it's in the UK, why would it call, be called the British Baking Show? It'd probably just be the Baking Show, right? But it's always the Great British because it's. I think it's Great British, uh-huh. not just like. It's a great show, and it's British. Yeah. I think it's like, that's part of the, I, I, I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know. They, they always say Great British. Okay. So even when they're in Great Britain. So it's, it's not just British food, it's Great British food. It's yeah. not even food from Great Britain, it's Great right. British food. Okay, I got you. get some, I don't know. My guilty pleasure is listening to Jim there. explain the titles of his guilty pleasure. Uh, I would never do a podcast on this thing because, A, there are far too many episodes, and B, uh, I don't bake. So I couldn't intelligently podcast about it. Um, is it my turn now? Uh, yep. Amy, can you discuss a bit about the leap of leaving jobs to do the podcast full time? Was there a particular moment where you felt you were achieving success and some of the pressure was off or is it still stressful, but in different ways? That is a great question. What do you think, Jim? Um, so it is still stressful at times, but it's a different kind of stress. Uh, the stress in the old days when we first went full-time was, are we actually going to be able to put food in our mouths? And are we going to come out of this thing with $50,000 each in debt that we now just have to work jobs to repay? Right. We've, because we've backed our way into a college loan in our yeah, mid-30s. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was the scenario because when we first started full-time... Uh, I know both of us were actively going into debt. I was spending down my savings. I was, I was charging on my credit cards yep. just to make ends meet, just to stay, you know, solvent. And then we were hoping that somewhere along the way we saw a path to, you know, um, financial stability. But it was a long one, yeah. and we've only recently just got, I think, to the point where that, where it feels right. Yeah, I think like I I no longer have the stress of oh God where is my food going to come from tomorrow am I yeah. going to be kicked out of my apartment if, if in we three don't months? increase revenues by twenty five percent we're going yeah. to be fucked because X Y and right. Z is going to ha- yeah now the stress comes from like okay how how do we make this thing bigger mm-hmm. um, and just the just keeping all of it sort of at the forefront of my life is difficult at mm-hmm. times just. Yeah, you know, there's so many things you have to do when you're a business owner. It's not just I got to watch this show and talk about it. Right. There's 50 other things going on in the background, and trying not to drop any of those balls 
is what it is easily the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, most rewarding too. I don't, I don't want to take anything away from it, but you know, it's a different kind of stress. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, I echo everything Jim said. There's, we used to have, we still have a spreadsheet where it used to calculate kind of our runway, like how many months we had and before we were bankrupt mm-hmm. and like, that counter was never longer than six months until like the last year or two where it's essentially, um, we, we're, we're covering our expenses and then some, mm-hmm. um, and now it's like, okay, we're, well, we're starting to hire employees. Like you might not have heard, but we recently, uh, Cecily's working for us part-time with, or we're hoping to bring her on full-time by, by the end of the year. Um, there when honestly we've talked about, like, I think the ideal po- bald move pod, the ideal bald move size, at least for right now, would be like five people um, because that would give us an, a, enough to where everyone could probably share the hats enough to where no one would be overworked. And we could have a, you know, wouldn't have to be like this person's doing all of this and this person's doing all that. And we'd also be able to have interesting mixes of hosts for a variety of different shows to cover and like maybe some time that we could do some other f- kind of fun stuff or experimental stuff. Um, and to get to there and, you know, continually improving your audio and your video quality and what you can, you know, the quality of your coverage, um, is going to take a certain amount of growth or, you know, cause like, it's one of those things like if you knew ball, if like I knew for a moral certainty, the bald move is going to be this size forever, it was never going to get any bigger then I would do a lot of things differently than if the question of like, Oh, well, maybe we could grow it by this or that. And then that would allow us to do this or that. Um, but so yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's so yeah, it's that that's kind of the stress now. It's like okay, what voluntary moves are we making that will hopefully lead to growth that might actually kill us, mm-hmm. or might you know like what's the thing we're going to do that's going to just like you know piss people off or like make us fall down on this vital thing? And the fact that we don't really under, also like. Uh, the other thing I guess is a little bit nerve wracking is we can't fully articulate why this has worked. Like, you know, when we go to different meetups and we talk to a bunch of other professional podcasters and we talk about our businesses and like, we're just so freaking kind of unique in, in, in what we've done in a lot of ways that that's sometimes scary that it's like, Jesus, I don't know how to replicate this. I don't know how to increase this thing without it necessarily decreasing this other thing. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of nerve wracking for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's Did see. Yeah, it's your turn. Okay. Jez asks, could you two both give me a list of your top five albums of all time, please? I've got my, oh, man, this is so hard. It did. These, it these this... are always the hardest questions. These top lists. Yeah. I wrestled. Yeah, I, wrestled. I did too. I didn't. I don't think I managed to get to five, did I? One, two, three, four, seven. <laughs> I've got I've got five, and three of them I think I've I've because this has been asked a couple of other times. I think three of them have um, stayed. Uh, so Black Alicious, Blazing Arrow, uh, Florence the Machine, Lungs. Ha, that's on my list. Kendrick Lamar's Damn, Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and Sturgill Simpson Metamodern Sounds and Country Music is like the only thing i wish i could fit in there is like some thrash metal because that was so instrumental to like my teens and that's about it like, like i nearly got out of it when i turned like 20 ish but mm-hmm. um i uh like there should be some like classic metallica or megadeth in there somewhere too but uh there's not yeah i was torn between just picking ones that 
have a lot of like sentimental value or that I very specifically remember from a certain period of my life that I liked. Uh, most of these are from the nineties mm-hmm. because I'm a child of the nineties and these are classic all time albums for me. Uh, smashing pumpkins, melancholy, melancholy and the infinite sadness just barely eked out. And I couldn't put two smashing pumpkins. Albums I thought you on might go Siamese dreams. Cause, uh, it, man, some of the singles on Siamese dreams, like Siamese dream has my absolute favorite song uh-huh. ever mayonnaise, but this album is, I think, a better put together album, sure. better constructed. Oh, uh, it's, start it's, to it's finish. amazing. Yeah, it is. Uh, Nirvana's In Utero, Coheed and Cambria's In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3, uh, Rage Against the Machines, Rage Against the Machine. That's a hell of an album. It's a good one. Uh, soundtrack of my paintball playing years for sure. Florence and the Machine Lungs. I think everybody's familiar with that one. Uh, man. So so this bush pick is actually really difficult for me. <laughs> yeah, when you're picking picking yeah. picking bushes. Uh, so I've, I've already listed five, but I'm going to list the other two that I couldn't eliminate. Uh, I picked Razorblade Suitcase because I have very specific memories of a summer where I listened to it, like, mm. all summer. Uh, 16 Stone was probably the, the better album, but I don't remember it as fondly. Uh so yeah, Razorblade Suitcase, and then a Perfect Circles, Mer Merdenoms. All right, and that's it. We did it. Definitive top five ish sevens. Yeah, five and seven. Five sevenths lists. <laughs> uh, Fern from NYC. This is a uh, this is an involved one. Okay. I, I I have to I have to I have to tell a story. Oh shit! Yeah, I didn't premeditate this one because it was too intimidating. I've been a loyal Bald Move listener and member all these years, and I have an idea for my next project. I want to fly down to Cincy, right next to the Bald Move Studios, and tell you guys I'd like to write and direct the Bald Move story. What a story of two lifelong friends separated then reunited, both dealing with the Jehovah's Witness life, breaking free, and the consequences that came with leaving the witnesses, then building a business with a faithful community while also finding happiness in amazing moments like for you guys to be on board as co-producers and help me write slash cast the story. I'll be back in a week for our first meeting where you'll have the following ready for me to review. Where would you like the movie to start? What would the end of the first act be? What would start the second? Where would you like it to end? Um, do you want, I, I feel like we should just start filling this in as we get them, right? Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Because like, here's the thing. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a three act movie or if we got the budget for it, a trilogy. Okay. Uh, I think it should start when you move to Indiana. Like that's like that's like the the cold open of the movie. Like mm-hmm. your family. Did you guys drive out? Fly out? Uh, we drove. Yeah, yeah, you guys driving out here to from from fucking San Diego to Mooresville, Indiana, would be a visually interesting way to start the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's where our lives kind of intersect for the first time. And then the whole first act would be kind of like that that childhood teenage period, right? I don't know how you condense it down to like a 30 minute act. What though. if you told it in reverse, like me- me- memento? Hmm. Could could you go from like the successful podcasters and just trace it all <laughs> the way back, back? Yeah. And have one, but there's also one unifying like structural arc that's moving forward in time at the same right. time. Yeah. Um, but like, 
I feel like the first movie or the first act would start because there's definitely a period of life where, as uh, Fern uh, alluded to, where we lost track of each other. You, like, we both went through a lot of, I think, the same kind of trials and tribulations. It's just that I had a bedrock of faith in this fucking religion that you lacked. So you just kind of went off. You, you, you got, you, you got off like at 18, like 17, 18, you hit the off ramp. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the tenets of the religion is once a person does that, you kind of like cut them out of your life. Um, so then for like the next 10 years you were living, I feel like it's like a, almost a, a fellowship of the ring situation where like Boromir dies. And then I, you, you go off to Mordor and I go to, I don't know, Minas Tirith to fight Sauron uh, or vice versa. I'm not sure which. So this whole second act would be kind of like just what the hell we're doing uh, before we get back together for the third act, which is the bald move period of our lives. I feel like the first ins- the first act especially is going to be pretty boring. Yeah? Yeah. A lot I almost funny... think you need a parallel structure here where you're like, okay, take take a big event in bald move history. Like, mm-hmm. let's say... Uh, the big dispute over club price. Okay. And and you can show, like, you can juxtapose, like, some of the, the anger from that uh, with, yeah. like, the friendship that's sure. starting when, like, 10 years ago or 25 years ago, right, whatever. Right, And you can kind of show scenes between them to keep <laughs> the first act interesting. Yeah. And then it can culminate. Like, you can build through a second act where, you know, we're we're starting up the company and, like, we're taking this all seriously and professionally and you can see sort of the the road leading to this and the third act resolves everything right yeah you could also like you know like like um it would be interesting to dramatize like tensions in the company over like mirror tensions over like board game situations yeah like, you could like have yeah yeah know, kind of like um we could we could like a flashback substitute. would precede each chapter kind of like this is the thing you need to know about us it's going to be relevant in about 30 minutes when you see us going through this yeah how 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 uh based on real events does it need to be because these movies always fudge oh, a little yeah. bit right Shit. so what if we made that famous castle risk incident you instead of my dad <laughs> Where you were, oh, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. that makes you look like a cheater. Which yeah, is, that's, that's one of my that's one of my unfair bad. categorization. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't like to cheat in video or any kind of game. Yeah, um, no, but you could do. I was going to make a joke of like maybe we could actually uh, combine us into one character, uh-huh. like Chernobyl style. Like, oh yeah, there were several people that came <laughs> together to make bald move, but it was just one guy. Um, right. Uh, so, uh, further thoughts. What are your thoughts on the tone of the film? Comedy, serious drama, family film. I think we're going serious drama. With but but definitely like. Dramedy, like there's yeah. no way our movie would not also have hilarious things in it. Sure, I mean there's like been hilarious we, events. We have been a yeah, we've been part of hilarious events, crazy circumstances. There's no fucking way you could get out of it without laughing. But that's also Mad Men, you know, uh, mm-hmm. which is not a particularly funny show. Uh, what will be overall message of the film? I came up with life is what you make it. But that sounds a little too, like, master of the fucking universe because mm. I think, you know, I there, like there, that's going to be the final message of success. Yeah, I don't, or I something. don't. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> I don't want this to come off like fucking. Uh, there will be blood. Yeah, like you know, it's like oh, this guy's sheer grit and determination. You know, other guys broke their back in the bottom of their fucking claim, but this guy clawed himself out, and thus you can see him drink everyone's milkshake and. 
I mean, there's uh, this movie would have to express that, like, yes, there is definitely hard work, there's definitely time investment, but there is so much luck, I feel. Yeah. So much fucking luck. If I look back, I just see, like, all these smoking craters and blind cliffs and treacherous waterfalls that, like, half of them I definitely navigated. Half of them I didn't even know they were there until I was halfway down falling through them. And, Mm -hmm. like, I just got so fucking lucky, as I think anyone that gets any kind of measure of success, it's. Oh, that's it's it, that that secret sauce is the hard work, the time, and also just you gotta get lucky. So, uh, like the movie's got to preach that too. Um, what people would uh, from both your lives would have to be in it? Parents, close friends, Jehovah's Witnesses, old bosses. Um, I mean, okay, if you got if you're telling our childhood, there's a few JWs that have to be there. You gotta have the Orfmeister. You gotta have Peter Street. You gotta have the Laugh Man. You gotta have Ass Cheek. You gotta have your brother. You gotta have the gambler as the villain. Uh, <laughs> my mom and dad for sure. Your dad and mom, I think for sure. I would fucking love yeah. to cast your dad. I don't know who I'd cast for it. Uh, Robert De Niro. <laughs> well, so it's like uh, that's the thing. Is like when I was like casting people, I was thinking like, oh man, like I'm 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 not just casting this person. I'm casting this person like in a particular time of their career, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas like if I just did like just do an an open casting call for your dad like okay we need a whole bunch of like yeah talk tough talk tough talk tough tough talking, talking. Yeah. vaguely italian gentleman from the some borough of new york mm-hmm. uh and he has to have a motor mouth like there's it would, it'd be a lot of fun it'd be a lot of fun <laughs> do you have any ideas like for people that would play um i'm terrible at casting people uh do you have any like particular like people that you want to cast as yourself? Your parent? Do you have a? You had Robert Dinner for your dad. Yeah, Kathy Bates, like uh, Misery oh. era Kathy Bates, Titanic era Kathy Bates from my mom. Uh, that's always been like like yeah. If I had central casting my movie, that'd be a lock for sure. I'm hoping I could get away with Leonardo DiCaprio playing me. That'd be pretty excellent. <laughs> sure, why not? Why not? Uh. Who do you get to play the laugh man? I don't know. This can't be interesting. Yeah, this, no, yeah, this, this, you don't okay, know these okay. people. Yeah, this uh, soundtrack. Thoughts on soundtrack? Uh, the tracks from our top ten favorite albums. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then uh, thoughts on title? I, I think to baldly go. Mm. I like that because it kind of gives uh, like honors the the Nick the the bald move name and our love for Star Trek. That's all, that's what yeah, I got. It's good. All right, we'll we'll have better answers for you when you come out next week, uh, Fern. Graham, uh, what would be the worst? Wait, no, it's your turn. Yeah, I read a, a million. Oh, Graham, what would be the worst time. thing to have fifty million of? Fibrous cysts. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> not 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 uh, not cancerous or too, just just mm-hmm. they're just there. Fibrous cysts. Yep. Um, Body full of gristle. D- dollars worth of bail. <laughs> dollars worth of bail. Fifty million dollars of bail <laughs> that you have to pay. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a lot. That that that'd be that'd be no good. Be no good. It, it would mean so much more than just the fifty million dollars. What the fuck did I do? Yeah. What did I yeah. do to get fifty million dollar bail? That's flirting with cruel and unusual too. Like you, you really fucked up, man. Uh, Noel, do you guys wash your legs when you take a shower? Depends on how I'm feeling. Day in, day out, I don't wash my legs. If I'm feeling good, 
Yeah. If I'm feeling like average to good. Yeah. Uh, to great even. Yeah. I'll wash my legs. If yeah. I'm feeling, eh, then those legs are not getting washed. <laughs> the, the, look, they're the furthest thing from anyone who's having a conversation with me. If they smell a little funky. Plus, no one they're notices. just they're just being they're just being washed the, the entire shower. Oh yeah, yeah. The entire shower is just doing nothing but carrying soapy water mm-hmm. over over those parts of like they're they're the things that get the cleanest just by byproduct. Now I will say that if I like I'm coming in from mowing a lawn or going on a hike and I'm like really sweaty, mm-hmm. I do then soap up head you know tippy tippy toe head from tippy toe. Yeah. But yeah, like I'll, I'll wash my feet on a daily basis, but my legs they're the least dirty part of my body. It's gotta be. And I'm not. Yeah, I'm not eating no, that with sounds them. Sounds about right. I'm, no one's shaking them. They're not, not touching them. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I guess that makes me gross. That's the least I'm offensive gross. part to not wash. Sure. Like, what's a person doing there in my kneecap smelling? Yeah. Yeah. Feeling ah, this guy's got the greasiest fucking kneecaps in the world. <laughs> well, how are you supposed to pull off those risky business slides? You don't have greasy knees. I ask you. Business slides. <laughs> Huh. All right. Uh, Eric says, what's your favorite single episode of a podcast? And then follows it up with, it was the Lori Fiesta, wasn't it? That is a good podcast. It's a very a lot good of, one. That's a memorable moment. Um, I came up with uh, Willy Wonka. I think that was an excellent, or it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or whatever the yeah, hell it's yeah, called. Yeah. But that was a really good, really fun podcast. What the fuck is this? This these grandparents are bedridden, <laughs> and Will and 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 Charlie is seen as kind of a saint for doing this this uh, you know paperboy routine and giving his money to his his grandparents and his mom to help him. Yeah, grandpa grandpa is despicable. He's easily the worst character. In the he kind of is because clearly this is a ruse that he's been keeping up for years. It, right? There's no other I mean, way to look at it. It started as grandpa help out with the yard work. Uh, well, I'm not not feeling so good. Right. You know, my legs just aren't what they used the to gout. be. It's the gout. It's the gout. Grandpa, come do dishes. Oh, I can't get out of bed. I, I just can't right. do it. And right. the 20 years on, he's still keeping up the ruse until he finds this golden ticket. Until right. Charlie finds this golden ticket and feels so bad for his bedridden grandfather that he wishes he could come. And Grandpa springs out of bed. Yeah. Magically healed by the thought of endless candy. I... Although you notice something in the chocolate factory when he's got his hands on Charlie's shoulders, it may be a contributing yeah. factor. Grandpa, dual coke nails on his pinkies. <laughs> Look at the scene where there's a scene where they're all standing together, and he's got his hands on his shoulders, close up on Charlie's factory. Grandpa's rocking two Carrie Fisher style coke nails, and I think that's that's what got that. It's bed. that's the golden ticket for Grandpa. I've got like three. I think the days and nights of apes pitch on Quit Your Pitching might be my yeah. f- the favorite thing I've ever recorded. Jane Goodall has been secretly running a slave like like oh Jesus. apes okay. just aren't smarter than are commonly known. They're like really smart. They can be mm-hmm. taught basic stitching patterns and <laughs> f- fabrication and manufacturing techniques, and she is running garlic. She is running an underground, a literal underground ape slave ring. Uh-huh. And she's using her study of chimpanzees as a front. And the key thing that you find out, like in the like there's there's a whole bunch of establishing shots of like the underground 
you know, underground uh, ape farm in Nairobi. And it's like all established with like military font over everything. Everything's slightly like interlaced screen, like you're in a spy cam looking. And it shows Jane Goodall, like, you know, uh, greeting people to her ape research facility. And she's smiling, but then she like gets serious and looks off in the distance. And and you see uh, a team in America planning a woman, and they're taking a dwarf actor, crisis actor, and they're dressing him as a child, and they're going to throw him into the pin of one Harambe. Uh, Okay. Uh Former king of the Cincinnati Zoo. And they're going to gin up, they're they're going to engineer his death because Harambe knew the truth. Harambe had heard through the the ape vine. <laughs> he heard it through the ape vine, Jim. That that and he was about to blow the stack off of this, and he was silenced. That's 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 the establishing shot, and it fades into huh. days and nights of apes. Uh, that's episode two, season or, or season two, episode eight. If you're keeping track, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, I think we're gonna have some clips of this if we can track them down. Uh, there was also this Game of Thrones episode, I think, in season six, where one of these emailers uh, just emailed in randomly about uh, the uselessness of Bran Stark's legs and how they're having to drag him around and, you know, they should just amputate those. And I think he suggested maybe it could also be used as emergency food. And, uh, yeah, taking his arms or something. There was like, an implication that his arms were also useless because his right, legs were. Yeah, and, like, we just went, like, okay, you just uh, pair him down until he's just, like, a stump, and it, it just really yeah. tickled us. That was a lot of fun. And then I also I think as far as um, you shining, uh, the whole Reg's cold rolled steel bit, uh, from I, I think Walking Dead season Reg. six, yeah, maybe it was five B. Is the first when they first meet Alexander and they made this big deal about this cold rolled steel fucking fencing, and we we used to do these skits where I had a really terrible Rick Grimes accent, and you had a pretty good, I thought, uh, Norman Reedus accent. Uh, and then you had like just the it wasn't particularly accurate, but it was just a funny characterization of Reg, this the city engineer. Yeah. That, that was good, good times. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Uh, Andrew asks, of all the shows you've covered, shoes you've covered, which was your favorite show to cover? Not your favorite show, but which pod did you two have the most fun doing? Overall, um, uh, I can, and people, some people might not even know that we covered this because we didn't cover it as our, our yeah. typical personas. It's oh, Riverdale. Gosh. Yes, River. I had so much fun producing that so, Riverdale podcast. So explain podcast. this. Explain this because you're right. A lot of people don't don't know about this. So in season one of Riverdale, when it was coming on air, we decided we were going to play a joke because Riverdale is not a show that we would really watch. Uh-huh. But we were like, wouldn't it be fun to just do a troll podcast on the Riverdale fans? So we started a show. We watched the first episode, uh, and we covered that episode to hook people. In. Kind of like a standard bald move episode, but we had pseudonyms. Yeah, we were Al and Joe. I was Al, you were Joe. We had a brand new feed that, that was not connected to bald move in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, we did tell our club members yes. in the super secret area of our forums so that we could have people rate us positively. Yeah, we said go rate this, go review this show on iTunes. We'll get to the top of the charts for yeah. Riverdale. Yeah, people yeah, yeah. will tune in. Just, thinking, just to help set the hook, okay? Right, right. Uh, and it also enabled us to do a companion podcast called Har Har Riverdale where we talked about the trolls every week yeah, yeah, that we yeah, were yeah. pulling. Um, yeah. 
and every single week from from week one on it got more and more elaborate to where the the whole point of the show was we were just going to watch the previously on and the next time on segments and then extrapolate from those what happened on the episode and talk about that as if we had actually watched the episode right and if anyone emailed us to correct us we would be no i'm pretty sure you missed the scene where and we just make stuff up and It, it was glorious and every single week it got progressively more absurd yeah uh, with with our proclamations because we got further and further from the actual thread of the right. episode. And every once in a while, like uh, previously on, would kind of course correct because like, uh-huh. oh shit, this person died. We got to stop talking about them or something right. like that. Yeah. And then we just wanted to have fun with it. And by the end of it, so we did because we also build ourselves as big like unironic Archie and Veronica fans, right? Yes. Yeah, with the, all the spinoff comic books. Yeah, we did a bunch of really did like bald move levels of research to uh-huh. sell this. Like, oh, this is going to be the definitive Riverdale. <laughs> Podcast for Alan Joe. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And and that was great. But there was also just like by week six or seven yeah. or something, we were we were kind of like, okay, what do we do with this thing? Mm. And so eventually, we just turned it into a, a full on troll. Like the podcast itself became bad. We sort of played it as if like we are first time podcasters making first time podcaster mistakes. Mm-hmm. So we'd put like a lot of preamble up front. Uh, one week. I I I put in I read a bunch of reviews. I read like some of the top reviews from iTunes. Yeah. And then the following week I was like <laughs> I I forget exactly how I pitched it, but I ended up reading about ten times more reviews. Right, right. And I put music behind them. Uh-huh. I made a huge production out of it the next week. Right. After people complained about it. Uh-huh. Uh and then we got to the last episode and we're like, Oh, we're so excited for the finale. Oh, we also got new sound equipment. <laughs> which made it sound but, worse but we actually so we got like these like uh, condenser mics that are super sensitive uh-huh. out we cranked up the gain so it sounded like we were podcasting like oh we got these really expensive mics and like you could you could hear us touching the table yep. and yep oh god because that's something that every first time podcaster oh, yeah. is going to do you You're think gonna... more money is it means better sound no when really it just makes all of your mistakes no, that much more noticeable exactly yeah. Yeah. uh and so for the final episode we decided uh we decided not to release an episode because yeah. this is a classic podcaster thing. Just right. they, they fade, right? Oh, podcaster hey, we're late. Fade. We had a scheduling conflict. Uh, we Joe will get sick. to this. We we'll, promise we will get to this next we'll week. We'll have it out next week. And then we just ghosted. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's also a podcast, totally a first time podcaster thing to do. Yeah. It was pretty glorious. Yeah. And the accompanying har har Riverdale podcast was also fun to record. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, I think that my favorite podcast we've ever done was The Leftovers. I think, yeah, if you want to go for serious, that, yeah. that was a hell of a show. Uh, I think True Detective Season 1's up up there. Um, uh, like the Walking Dead probably the most fun we've ever had because there's just never been that show that for a long time straddled the... There's absurd things happening, but also the cast is really good and... You some some of the early seasons are good enough that you still cared bizarrely about these characters, and you could it wasn't just a sheer like week in week out hate. Mm-hmm. You could also praise it like, oh, they actually this one storyline they actually did a fucking good job on, and um, and they kept that going for longer than you'd think it was possible till it broke, snapped. I think some of our earlier podcasts, like uh, the first season of Breaking Bad, yeah where we just didn't even know what the fuck we were doing and it was a part-time job and we were singular like 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 the whole week I just bathe in breaking bad and like read all the feedback and read every review and mm-hmm. 
uh, those you were day- doing news posts. Yeah, I think, we were doing at the daily same news time. posts, like yeah. where you could just like devote that much time to a singular show, and it was all new, and the 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 traffic was like fun. So there's like tons of people to talk to, but it wasn't like overwhelm. You weren't getting like thousands of messages a week. Um, yeah. That was a real fun era too, because mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of stakes, and it was just you know nothing nothing you could do could like f- fucking ruin your life. Uh, the way you can now, if I guess you did a, a wrong step here or there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that? I think it's your turn now. My turn. Uh, Josh, what is the most perfect TV series ever, and why is it The Leftovers? <laughs> it's because of the writing. It's because of the writing. But also, still, it's still Breaking Bad. Um, I Yeah, I'm... I've, the Leftovers is my favorite show now. It it narrowly edged out The Wire. Um, if you want to add, like... Because that's the thing, is, like, even if you want to add importance... You know, I think a lot of stuff that the leftovers did and a lot of things they're saying about like depression and grief are important for us dealing with our twenty first century life. So mm-hmm. like I don't even know that you can I mean for sure, like David Simon's like show will ch- can change your politics if you if you let it, but like the leftovers was just some next level shit, man. That's uh it's going to be real tough to dethrone that one because I never thought that the wire would ever get dethroned, um, and it's not like a, just a just a, a just, it's it's not a massive advantage. It's just that there's you know just like a perfect three seasons, whereas the wire has like four perfect seasons and then a weird coda that they appended on to the end of it. That's mm-hmm. still good, but yeah, leftovers is amazing. Michelle asks, over the last 50 million downloads, what has been your favorite Bald Move memory or favorite episode of a podcast that you've done? Hashtag Bald Move for life. Well, thank you, Michelle. Um, I think it's a testament to to Bald Move and its relationship to my life that these moments are still happening. Yeah. Uh, Because the one that immediately came to mind was this last Groundhog Day marathon when Mark Hamill tweeted about uh us doing the marathon yeah but but it doesn't end there like it was the perfect moment and then you accidentally put the computer to sleep yeah <laughs> right after we realized it yeah yeah and it was yeah. just like this perfect storm of uh-huh. g- glory and like <laughs> also these people are idiots it, it was perfect yeah it was perfect like looking back on it i like i was pulling my hair out going oh my god we're gonna squander yeah what could be the opportunity of a lifetime <laughs> But looking back on it, it is one of the funniest things that has ever happened. One, it, one of the greatest cool. moments. It was really Both cool. gratifying and hilarious. I loved it. And, like, you know, just, like, being able to show my son that because, you know, he's big into Star Wars and that, you know, yeah. he uh, loves Luke Skywalker and Mark Mark Hamill giving us that acknowledgement was really cool. Um, I You know, I, that's that's the, the Groundhog Day marathons have been really cool that we've done the last two years. Um, I'm going to go with couple years back the save bald move campaign oh um where like we got our funding pulled from speaking of our our multiple legs of income we got our our one of our legs kicked out from underneath us the the amazon affiliate which was a lot of money for us back in the day we got our affiliate status canceled and it kind of started we we had kind of got to a place where we were making it and we're not worried and that instantly threw us into oh we're back to we're going to go bankrupt like we're actually not going to be able to pay the bills past february and i think this was like november when this all went down mm-hmm. uh so we did did like hey we need to raise like 25 grand or we're probably going <laughs> to the business will probably collapse you know sometime next spring and we ended up raising like forty thousand, and that right there that 
you know, we did a lot of changes to the club and we did a lot of structural changes and we got some more revenue streams going on. But like that right there is more than anything responsible for the fact that we're still doing this. Yeah. Like we had a cushion that the people that love us online gave us because that could have that could have wiped us out. That could have sent us back to our day jobs. You know, mm-hmm. not even I wouldn't even have felt defeated. I'd have been like, Jesus, like, look, what we did. We did all this stuff. And mm-hmm. um, oh, now it's like a fun story I can tell in the break room. Uh, but the bald move campaign. Yeah, I that was a very moving, powerful experience, which we talked about a bunch. But that's that's definitely probably the number one number one movement move moment, move movement, move bald move moment for me. <laughs> all right. Sean asks, why isn't that other guy bald? I think he's talking about me. Superior genetics. Yes, luck of the draw, everyone. I, I highly suggest you try it out. Yeah, get get good genes and avoid the bad ones. Yeah. Whatever you do. Uh, Tall's cast, how does it feel to have more ball- downloads than there are Jehovah's Witnesses active in the world? Is that true? Oh, yeah. There's like, can't be more than 10 million of them. Yeah. Five times more popular. That's awesome. Uh, but then, you know, Je- Jehovah's Witness be the first to tell you that's by design. Like, they're on a crooked, narrow path. There's uh, mm, Broad true. and spacious is the path that leads to bald move. Crooked and narrow is, and cramped is the path that leads to righteousness. So <laughs> they would not be phased at the least, I promise you. Is it your turn? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Snorlax says, how did you meet your significant others? And what was your first date? I met Cecily on OkCupid. Oh, you're stealing my thunder. Uh, and she caught my eye because she's ridiculously tall. She's like six foot one, and she's got like the most piercing blue eyes you've ever seen. We were like a 94% compatible match, which I was fucking crazy, and her profile was hilarious. Um, and we met at a Italian restaurant in Indianapolis called the Italian Gardens, which we were heartbroken to find out like two years ago is closed. We went back to like mm-hmm. have like a significant anniversary there. It's going to be like kind of a fun thing. And we got there and it like closed six months before. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's how and and you know the it's it, it was is a long winding path from there to us getting you know moving to Ohio and getting married and but it's it's worked out. Uh, I also met my girlfriend on OkCupid because that was kind of the hot dating app. Uh, when I was of dating age, now it's like fucking Tinder and I don't know. They're so that's probably literally just fucking Tinder. That's fucking the Tinder, Tinder. The Tinder Plus. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> that's Tinder. what the premium account is called. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we met on OkCupid and we went to the old Kentucky bourbon bar in Covington and we spent the night drinking and making uh, looking at the, the patrons and making up stories about what they were doing there. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And she stayed out well past her bedtime. Mm. She had to go to work at like 7 a.m. the next day and stayed out till midnight. Holy shit. Yep. Real pumpkin turning potential staying out past midnight. I know. I know. She risked it, though. Mm-hmm. Here we are, X, X amount of years later. I don't even know. We were just talking about this the other day, how we bought a house almost two years ago now it feels like it's been a month did you, did you guys happen because this is something cecil and i literally don't know when our first date was uh i can neither probably, of us so remi- i know it was cold it was yeah. freezing fucking cold. I, I can tell you the month and like the year but i it's couldn't like tell december. you the exact date yeah it was it was uh i think it was late november 
or like early yeah. December. Years just bleed together now. But yeah, like we I don't. Think it's been four. So so we observe our what we call the move anniversary when the the date she moved in with us. Okay, um, that's yeah. like our kind of like that's and then we have our obviously our our actual wedding anniversary now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was the thing is cause yeah, I didn't suck. Like, I didn't, didn't, uh, I, I tried to like, when we got back together, um, I got on my okay Cupid profile, which I know is dangerous when you just got back together with somebody, but I was trying to go through my email messages to try to figure out like when our first email exchange was, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And like, I guess they auto archive stuff after a certain amount of times, so, like all that shit was gone. Yeah. So, yeah. Eh, whatever. And I checked uh, the singles available in my area and they still weren't better in Cecily and I closed <laughs> out the account. <laughs> Related question from Michael. Any chance Jim's girlfriend will make an appearance? It's not out of the question, but it's kind of up to her. Um, She has a lot of social anxiety, I think, um, but also a desire to podcast. Podcasts are perfect for antisocial people. You you think so? Yeah. They can just talk to their friends and pretend no one's listening? Yeah, that's kind of what you do. That's not how it was for me at first. I was very aware that people were going to hear everything I was saying. No, I mean that's now yeah. I just don't care. Right <laughs> now it's like uh, they've heard it, they've heard the worst of anything I will ever say. Sure. So psh, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's up to her. We'll see. Henry says regarding your tabletop RPG experiences, is there any memorable stories or moments you have from playing Star Wars D twenty D and D or any other type of role playing system? I, don't know I have a pretty these, funny. I so I ran a campaign for some of our JW friends. Um, among them was Ask Cheek, Loffman, and the Orfmeister. Uh, the anything interesting about the Mighty Mighty Orfbot is that he was really developmentally. Dis- I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, he, I, I don't. I don't know exactly what his diagnosis is. He probably never got a diagnosis. He kind of was like looked after by the whole congregation because yeah. his mom was a bit of a. I'm not sure what her damage was either, but um, maybe it's all related. Uh, but he was very cognitively impaired. He's like maybe a couple notches below like a Forrest Gump type character. But like he could, you know, if, if someone was looking after him, he could live independently and, you know, he could drive a car and hold down a job. But it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, there's always like unintentionally hilarious moments. There's also just like truly tragic moments. But every once in a while he would shine in like a video game situation or... Uh, board game situation and oh, there's this one part of the campaign where like several sessions ago he had pocketed this like level one spacesuit that was like rummager like he was rummaging around and like i just had like a random list of like gear for when people would ram- rummage around and he decided to pocket the spacesuit and like i don't know like two months later we were doing this thing where they had uh they're in a Nebulon B frigate. You know, those are the ones that are like like a big kind of like shark fin looking thing with a little tiny skinny spine with like a big engine unit. Yeah. yeah. And the whole set piece was um, there was these like separatists that had taken over the engine room and like had kind of commandeered it. And they had like set all these elaborate barricade system along that spine. So you'd have to fight to get back control of the thing. And I'm like, this I is going to be a set piece going. for it. Orfer, <laughs> fucking Orfer, out of nowhere, Whips grabbed out that spacesuit out of his back, Whoop. cut a hole through an airlock, walked outside, <laughs> and he was the one Jedi in the party because, you know, whatever, he's the Orfbot. And, yeah. and fucking came up from behind, snuck up, and butt-fucked the entire opposition and, like, single-handedly beast-moded it. And it's like... As it was happening, like, this is kind of ruining the encounter, but it's also, like, one of those things that everyone's going to always remember. So, yeah. There you go. I don't know where what you're doing now, Orf, or where you're at, but I hope you're well. 
I feel like I have a similarly uh, game-breaking moment from a Bypax where we tried to do like a one-off D&D thing. Um, and I ended up, there was this camp of like goblins or something, and they were all asleep in their <laughs> yeah. tents. I was here for this one, and, yeah. And I fucking... I decided. Well, I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna go try and sneak in there. Because you were and, like a rogue, some kind of yeah. I was a very rogue. sneaky character, and so I snuck into the tents and I just started executing them one Slitting by one. Their throats, like rolling crit over you, you crit were. after crit after, and and I kept feeling like I am breaking Eric's game, but this is too funny not to stop here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I ended up clearing that entire tent full of goblins yeah. in a single a single move. It you was, rolled like four or five natural twenties, or like yeah. all twenties and. 19s on that attempt it was amazing it was crazy it's also like it's also like one of those things where like if you it was a meta moment too because like you're like the angel of death after that it's like the yeah. whole party is like this this person just murdered five people <laughs> right. like gurgling and, in and their none tents. of them could really see what yeah. was happening because i was the yeah. only one in the tent so i just come it's out like and everyone's just, dead and it's soaked like in blood and there's all this yeah it's like the doors gurgling. opening up and river tam standing there with a bunch of reavers right <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah the fuck uh, James wants to know what past shows do you wish you could have covered and any ones you thought about doing a group rewatch and covering any chance you go back and cover seasons one or two of the expanse. Oh man. There's a lot of like shows. I wish, you know, like I always think of X files and lost. Yeah. Um, lost is number one for me. Like, like, uh, star Trek, the next generation would have been super fun. Like as like, if I could go back as an adult with a podcast to do that, that would be really, uh, cause like all, one of uh, the other, one of my guilty pleasures, I don't think I listed is like watching old star Trek stuff. Like if I got nothing else to do, I'll just put on one of those. Um, and man, like as I'm watching it sometimes, like I wish we did a podcast on this because mm. I've got a hilarious take about this fucked up situations going on right in front of me. Um, but yeah, I think Lost and X-Files are the two, like, boy, what if, what if there was podcasts and we had been podcasting that, that early on that stuff? So there was definitely podcasts on Lost. I listened to one, uh, Jay and Jack kind of got me hooked on the whole podcasting thing right in the first place. Uh, it's weird though, because I think if we were covering Lost, it, I can't remember what year it came out, like 2004 or something. I mean, no. No, earlier than that, right? 2002, maybe? I don't know. It's been a long-ass time. Uh, but that was a few years before we were even beginning a podcast, 2004 right? is when it premiered. September 2004. Yeah, so if we had started podcasting in 2004, and like six years before we actually did start podcasting, I can't help but think like podcasting wasn't as big of a thing the uh -huh. money wasn't there yet right we eventually we probably would have just folded it up because yeah. we got tired of podcasting right before we ever saw the opportunities that lay ahead of us which which we did with like breaking bad because yeah that's we were about to stop podcasting we thought at the time you were you had gone to chicago come back and you were living with me mm -hmm. and it was kind of like our routine that we would watch like something on amc and we'd sit on the couch and talk about it afterwards and yeah. we're like fuck it let's just like do one of these ty types of conversations and see where it goes for, for one season and we did have breaking bad and you know the the it was like 40 times success, more successful than our most successful podcast before that and we're like fuck yeah. let's do this but we were able to roll that into other shows and yeah. i'm thinking like you know if lost had been there but like the other shows weren't there's nothing there. to roll into right yeah because it was a there was a pretty decent gap between like when but lost you could have, we could have done like oz and sopran there was other 
I, I, but would anybody have listened to a podcast on those? Right, that's the thing. That's like, a good question. Lost people were listening to podcasts on that, but, but were Sopranos people? Oz, were the Oz, or Sopranos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I doubt it. Like yeah. I didn't know of any, yeah. so we might have just gotten disillusioned with the whole thing, or just tired of it mm-hmm. for you know podcasting for six years to get to 2010, uh, when podcasting started to become like a real thing, yeah. when Bald Move started podcasting, and podcasting gained legitimacy. Uh, <laughs> as, as far as yeah. this question about rewatching, um, I think if you want us to go back and do some classic shows like Mad Men or The Wire, like pray for a Hollywood strike. Hollywood writer mm-hmm. strike, because if there was like a lengthy like three to six month strike where it was just reality television twenty four seven, I think to try to eke out an existence, we would go back and do those things. I think that in those circumstances, they'd actually be pretty popular. Um, but otherwise, like all, like they're less popular than almost anything else we could be doing that's like live and current. Um, the exception might be the Expanse. Like if the Expanse turns into like even a fifth of what game of thrones was at its height then yeah. yeah i would love to go back and recover those do stuff on the books all kinds of things but we'll just because like the expanse last year was a very low rated podcast very low rated show mm-hmm. so i'm hoping that now the word of mouth is out and it got buzz for being on amazon it's going to be a little bit more adult maybe um it doesn't and when you to- say low rated you just mean the ratings for the show were low. Not, yeah, not like it there was, was poorly reviewed. Yeah, it was, there, yeah, it was yeah, very yeah. well reviewed. It was reviewed. very well reviewed, the ratings as far as like the audience ratings. Like, you know, there wasn't a lot of the people number of podcasts. People or, but like if I look at the the, the, the Expanse of subreddit, it had like 17,000 people like starting last season. It has just under 100,000 now, I think. Like it's grown. Like the fandom's grown huge. Like it being canceled and the uproar about it and it's being yeah. swiftly saved like was a huge, uh, you know – if I didn't know better, I would say Bezos did it as like a publicity stunt because it, it got a lot of people watching it. So I hope I hope big things are ahead, ahead for the Expanse because it's kind of one of the returning shows I'm the most excited about now. I also wish I could have covered the final season of Halt and Catch Fire. Mm. Uh, Eric and I did season three, and that was a ton of fun. We had you know a bunch of good conversations about it and came up with some fun gimmicks like the Tandy Shandy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that that stuff was fun, and we just couldn't make it happen for season four. So, oh well. My turn? Yes. Laura says, what can we do to convince you to cover Walking Dead again? Your pods were so funny. I came up with an ultimatum for myself. <laughs> okay. If, if The Walking Dead can raise its Rotten Tomato score oh. for two years in a row, oh. we'll come back. Okay. So when the sun, I, I want to track when the sun here, right? sets in the east and rises in the west. When the look, I'm 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 propping the door open for them. <laughs> I can't I can't drag them through it. I will say this: I think one of the my biggest regrets in the last twelve months was stopping walking. Now we had no way of knowing this. Yeah, it's but a, it's a shit show right up until the moment we quit it. Season 9A, I don't know about 9B because I never I didn't watch that, but 9A was one of the more consistently entertaining uh for the right reasons seasons of Game of, or of Walking Dead I'd seen since like the prison arc. Like it mm-hmm. it was a return to form, but again, we had no way of knowing that and uh I also don't know whether they'll be able to sustain that. Yeah. Um because they lost a lot more people, and I, I don't know, but it, I, I uh, pray for a, a writer strike and then a real life zombie apocalypse to break out, I, and then mm. it, it might happen there, Laura. 
Uh, Eric, do you guys do a podcast for Killing Eve? Um, no, but after discovering uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge on the, uh, the, the 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 marathon I just did of Fleabag, I want to go back and see season one. I just saw that like Sep- Alan Sepperwall's a uh, person whose r- opinion about television I respect a lot said that like season. I guess uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge left the show after the end of season one, and season two is kind of a mess. Um, but I got to see that season season one of of, uh, of Killing Eve. It's it's mm-hmm. like I I'm obsessed with Phoebe Waller-Bridge right now. All right, Ouchie Dumpling says, "Will you please, please, please do a watch of The Last Kingdom on Netflix?" George R. R. Martin gives it rave reviews. You got that time to watch television, George? What the hell? Yeah, what's he doing? Watching the Last Kingdom, Chris Pine, Last Kingdom, right? Oh, is that what it is? I think it is. Uh, I, I don't know. I know of only one kingdom on Netflix, and that's the kingdom, mm-hmm. and it's it's enough kingdom for me. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not making any promises on coverage here. Yeah, uh, Amy, currently listening through all of your American Horror Story podcast. It's comical when you and Cecily start throwing around predictions early that end up being right. This brings me to my question. Aaron, when are you going to watch through Murder House? Last season, I watched through uh, Asylum and Murder House. So I've got, I have seen all of American Horror Story podcasts. You, all you fucking one-star reviewers on iTunes can fucking up. I'm sure you'll update your review now that oh, yeah. I have no, vitally seen the two pieces of the anthology Mm-hmm. that I hadn't seen before. Uh, <laughs> yes, they'll no. come back and provide a fair review. No, that's a lot of fun. I, I, I've, uh, I've always got a soft spot for American Horror Story Podcast because it's the one show that Cecil and I have done that we haven't been able to kill. Uh, and we've got a pretty pretty nice uh, fan group built over there and uh, some some nice memes and a, a nice nice uh, routine and chemistry. It's, it's a lot of fun. I, I'm uh, looking forward to it coming back for five more seasons. Sure. All right, Ben, how come you haven't covered, uh, I'm assuming this is Marvelous Miss Maisel? Yes. Mrs. Maisel? I I don't even know the name of this. It's too alliterative. Uh, Which is like Mad Men meets Gilmore Girls, or Good Girls, which is like Breaking Bad, but with Christine Hendricks as Walter White. Uh, I haven't even heard of Good Girls. The Marvelous Miss Maisel, I didn't missed. We watch, uh, didn't we watch an accidental season two trailer for trailer I think so, for Good yeah, Girls? we're like, God, this cast looks loaded. Um, yeah, and we thought it was season one, and we were like, we're going right. to check that out. And we found out it was season two and said, nope. Yeah, you can't really jump in. I mean, it's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, We have a crippling load of television to cover. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, like right now, we're kind of in a little bit of a, a drought, but that's because we looked ahead of the schedule. And, like, if we picked up something here or there... Like for long form coverage, we would be then doing four pod, you know, four shows at, at, in in the, by the end of June. So, um, th- honestly, the reason I didn't do the Marvelous Miss Maisel is I think that title is terrible. I thought I honestly thought it was a children's show. I thought yeah. it was like some kind of like Mary Poppins thing. And I have since been proven wrong, and I've heard it's really good. And you're right. I that's one of the things I want to watch, but I keep finding other things. Like I, you know, like I discovered Fleabag, and I had to go through the first whole season and watch season two like everything and then like i i every time i got an opening of television something jumps in like the deadwood movie i gotta try to cram as much deadwood as i can um and just it's 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 really tough now this year we've started this thing where we do this bald move 
TV prep where we try to, as best our, of our ability, look at everything, trailers of everything that are coming out this week in television, and then try to see the things that are the most interesting, the things we think are going to be the most popular, and watch and cover those on Bald Move TV. But it's just it's just tough. And if something's got more than one or two seasons out, like jumping into mm. it is tough. Like, how do you do it? How do you do it? Yeah. No, it's all about timing and interest level. Uh, and when those things line up, they get shows, uh, they get podcasts. When they don't, they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, related, Polly wants to know, any chance you guys do a Luther podcast? It's a good show. I love Idris Elba. Yeah, timing and interest though. It just uh, the Luther timing looks is never... super cool, but it's 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 an intimidating show to jump in at at this point. Yeah, um, yeah, it's also getting old. Yeah. All right, Corey, did you guys do a podcast for The Wire by any chance? I'm rewatching the series and would love to listen. Kinda. We have a an Omar coming trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did uh, for a commission podcast a while back. Yeah, yeah. That's about as deep as we've dug into The Wire in podcast form. It's so funny because my respect for The Wire is what killed The Wire podcast because if we had in the early days of Bald Move before we had kind of gotten too busy for our own good, done like just a conventional podcast on The Wire, we probably could have gotten it done. But I had this in mind of doing like a super plus, getting some celebrity commentators, doing interviews with cast and crew, and was working on like building those established relationships and stuff. And that took so much time that by the time I was ready to start executing, I was far too busy to contemplate. And I also, the other thing that was the the bullet is going back and doing like uh, catch up seasons of the Breaking Bad. Those were kind of like. Yeah, they didn't do great as far as the numbers, and that's like Jesus Christ. Breaking Bad was just a show. We, we had literally did that like immediately after Breaking Bad. I think went off the air, didn't mm-hmm. we? And it was in between like uh, Better Call Saul, so it wasn't like completely irrelevant, right? And it went landed like a lead balloon. So that kind of also scared me. Like, oh, spending that much time and effort on something that might not even pay off. Oof. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew wants to know what new shows are you guys planning to cover. I mean, the big one this year is uh, Watchmen. Yep. Very excited about that. Um, I am a big fan of the comic series. I'm a big fan of the movie. I'm a big fan of Damon Lindelof and what he did uh, with The Leftovers. And I think the trailers are just, like, off the charts, interesting and cool-looking. Uh, that of, of all the new shows, that's the one I'm probably the most excited for. Oh, yeah, easily. Uh I think we were talking about doing some kind of coverage of his dark materials as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure if that'll be like a full podcast kind of thing, but who knows? Uh, Watchmen definitely will be. It'll have its own dedicated podcast feed and it'll have, you know, the full recap and all the coverage we give to our more serious coverage of shows. I will say that also something we're probably not going to cover except for maybe a throwaway thing on, on the um, HBO is the Righteous Gemstones. This comedy series coming out on HBO starring uh, John Goodman, Danny McBride. Um, God, I hate Danny McBride so much. The guy, you do? Yeah, I hate. He's he's perhaps worse than Adam Sandler in my uh, mind. He's also got Adam Devine, who you know I can take in small doses, but he looks like he's being. It's it's about a, like a family of televangelists, mm. and it just looks like ooh, so good. I'm looking forward to that, uh, but that won't be obviously weekly coverage. Um, it'll just be funsies. Yeah. Uh, Michael 
asks, any plans on making a bald move trip to California? Bald move meetup at the new Star Wars land at Disneyland? Man, I've seen pictures of that. Yeah, it I was looks watching, so fucking cool. I'm, I can't wait for Jenny Nicholson to make like a three fucking hour documentary about her attending because I just keeping up with it on our Twitter feed was was thrilling. Um, Is that the most involved land? That they've done. I, I haven't been... Because, like, the other one that gets mentioned a lot is, like, uh, Harry Potter. Um, okay. The, yeah. That, like, the, the, the being there, like, on di- their Diagon Alley feels, like, that hmm. kind of amazing. But, like, man, you see, like, their, mo- their most icely cantina mm-hmm. and, like, the life-size walkers and Millennium Falcons and shit. Yep. Like, it... You know, it's, it's one of the biggest regrets of my life that I never made it out to Vegas when they had the Star Trek experience where you could go to Quark's mm-hmm. Bar and do all that. Like, because that's like, you know, if you're a fan, you don't, you, they're, I don't know. I, I, I definitely want to get out there and see it for sure. Probably not yeah. like in the next year, let some of that shit die down. But, uh, because I guess the lines are just true. Like, you can't even get in most Isley. The cantina, forget about it. Even the fast pass? Without, yeah, even the fast pass. Oh, like, in, like, it's like, like a 90 minute wait to build a saber. There's like tons of uh, things. That How about are, the fucking fast pass? The fucking fast pass? The ultra well, premium premium. <laughs> You know, if you know how to get one, you need not ask kind of situation. <laughs> but yeah, I, if if we we've we have had on the books for like the last year or two some kind of like traveling roadshow that takes us to like the big media markets, um, and one of these days we'll execute on that. And California is for sure a place we would go to, like California, New York, Dallas, Fort Worth, Chicago. Like you guys don't sweat uh you know like there'll be something going down in la or san francisco uh yeah and then uh that's the thing that always is funny to me it's like if we're going to be in seattle like a portland person would be like when are you going to come to portland my motherfucker drive (laughs) i flew for what felt like four days to get to seattle you can you can hop the ferry and spend three hours to get over here it's like it ain't getting any closer you know so like when we do come out like try to because like that's the thing is like if we do this and like we don't if we take the time and expense to do it and like the shows don't sell out we'll never do it again yeah yeah so if we ever do announce it not put any pressure on it yeah but if you don't buy a ticket you literally are voting against future live competitive shows yeah and we're we're booking the 2000 seat theater so oh, you yeah. better show up yeah, in some numbers stadiums. i mean yeah we need to find seventeen thousand we're at least new fans in anaheim at least as big as live aid come yeah. on yeah or or what are we even doing here <laughs> uh todd how many hours a week do you guys put in your podcast and network i've lost count it, this is not this is not a number of hours game this is a lifestyle yes like it's it's very much I live bald move constantly. Yes. Uh, if I'm not actively doing something uh, that I need to do for to prep for the week or uh, actively recording a podcast, I am thinking about bald move. I yeah. like I've got emails I do in the evenings. I do all my watching in the evenings. I'm thinking about like what new club features, what new uh, content stuff like. I'm, fucking I'm finances. Married, I'm married and, to an employee, so it literally yeah. never stops. Uh, yeah, this is not a job; it's a lifestyle. Yeah, and there's cool things about that. There's uh, not so cool things about that. Um, it does sometimes feel like it can get easy to be overwhelmed. It's easy to get overworked. It's it's yeah. It's easy to overcommit, and then you get into it and like, oh Jesus, what are we going to do? Stop this show that we've done for three years because we're going to have to work ourselves to death for like three weeks. It it it's uh, but you know, it's uh, 
it's a living. No, there's there's <laughs> no, I, the benefits I, far. Yeah, there, and there's a question. That's what I'm saying. There's a question later on that kind of talks about the other side of that. But mm-hmm. yeah, a lot. Like you know, never less than forty. Sometimes as high as sixty or seventy. Like that time, like a couple, like last month when we switched. Uh, our our you guys probably don't even know this, but we made a huge infrastructure switch in the and right before Game of Thrones started. Mm-hmm. And God, I don't know how many hours you worked to get all those feeds. Not uh, like I mean, in, they're still not all like as good as they could be. Yeah, like I I still need to do work on that. But yeah, I spent a, a couple. I feel of... like there was a ten day stretch where every waking moment you spent working. Yeah, um, and that was nothing, honestly, compared to last Christmas. Like right, from yeah. October between Super Series Film Fest and getting that thing off the ground uh-huh. and just getting into a flow with it, and yeah. the Giamatti stuff. Yeah, we I put mean, a we lot of hours in that Paul Giamatti stuff, man. You were doing paper mache heads on the <laughs> fucking weekends and Slow-mo blowing green shit up, explosive work. Yeah, it. Th- there, there are times. So that that's the thing with this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are times where you work a hundred hours a week. And then there are times where you work 30 hours a week because I just came off a 100-hour week. Like, I'm I'm not going to do as and much. And there's weird stuff like Jim goes to Ita- uh, Italia, Italy for like nine days. And like, yeah. I'm doing some stuff, but it, clearly that's a break for me because no you know, podcast I'm, I'm not podcasting. And mm-hmm. um, so there's some, some like mini vacations I feel like we've gotten and vice versa. But the so. weeks leading up to that, we were... We're recording a bunch of shit. To, we're doing yeah. twi- we're doing 175% content so we could have right. stuff to drop in there. So uh your turn. Uh-oh. Uh what Jamil Jamila. This is gonna be Jamila? a three hour podcast, BT dubs. I hope yeah. everyone's ready for mm-hmm. it. Nothing you can do. Uh what is a typical day for you or general daily schedule as a podcaster? Do you always watch TV shows live? Do you always watch shows together? Do you miss the Walking Dead and Cold Rolled Steel? <laughs> Yes, I do miss that, specifically that skit. Coldest roll to steel yeah. in North America. A uh, typical day for me is I wake up, I do my morning stuff, I get food, I come to the office and record whatever we got to record for that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we tend to like get done a little bit before we you need to leave or, or we just need to leave because we got fucking dinner with our families. Uh, and then... After that, I tend to spend like nine to nine to midnight, sometimes two or three in the morning, watching shit, uh, doing emails, all the all the non like us stuff that I have to do. All of my kind of responsibilities for Bald Move. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine's the same except for mine's time shifted differently. I've got a kid, and like during the school year, he like this year especially had to get up ridiculously early. Um, like I was getting up at like ten after five, five fifteen, five twenty. Oh, shoot me. Um, and then because like you can't really do that and wake up at nine o'clock the next day, I kind of kept that schedule year round. And uh, so I get up ra- somewhere between seven and eight thirty. Um, Cecily goes to work sometime somewhere between eight and nine. And I, that's like my television watching time is early in the morning and like, you know, following up on stuff. And, and then we t- typically on days where we're not recording anything, we meet at the office around 11 and our core business hours are kind of like 11 to five where we're doing stuff together. Like if, if it's like a recording day, like uh, like game of Thrones, usually we don't start to one because we're spending that time in the morning, you know, watching the show, getting our notes together, compiling feedback in my case, 
Uh, so like the days we record like a main show type of content, usually we start like at one. And then some nights, you know, we got a bald movie that doesn't get done till nine, nine thirty, and we got to record a podcast. And those nights were going to like midnight, or we got a Game of Thrones we got to come in to cover and do an instant take on. And we don't get home till like a you know midnight on those. So that's what I'm saying. Like it's um, you're you're I definitely feel like the best day of my week is like Saturday because that's when like everything's kind of at an ebb, like the feedback, everything. Like I I but but uh, yeah, like it's 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 pretty non-stop round the clock kind of thing um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean that's the, the, the thing is just finding ways to like unplug from that every once in a while or like as intensity in this area increases like let some of the other thing kind of slide which we might talk about i think there's a question that kind of drills down to that later too uh definitely don't watch tv shows live all the time i like typically are do. doing an instant well i typically okay. do because sexually likes never do sexually 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 likes to watch the tv with me and yeah. um she likes to get that first watch in the all-important first watch in and since she's at the work um f- the, during the day then our routine is like we watch it the night it comes out usually mm. the first watch so um I almost never do. I I operate on a schedule that, unless a show comes out after nine p.m. on a weekday, that I don't have anything else that's more pressing. Or if it's an instant take, obviously that that forces your hand. Yeah, yeah. instant takes. I I obviously have to. Uh, but yeah, I I just watch things whenever I get to them. Uh, more often than not, I watch things uh, unless it's like a serious like Game of Thrones, like our. our shows that we devote specific coverage to uh those things i'll watch two three times uh days before but we do the podcast but typically i'm watching it like the night before we do the podcast and then i'll get up in the morning and i'll sort of have it background on while i'm doing things Mm -hmm. uh just to refresh my memory from the previous night Richard, where is Bald Move going to be in 5 10 20 years obviously assuming all goes to plan what does Bald Move look like in the future this is where I don't know that we have a great answer. Because... Let, let me consult my premeditation here. Uh, <laughs> pretty sure I don't have one. Oh, yeah. Hopefully bigger and better. More yeah. people, better tech, more content. Um, I, I think that like if you look at where Penny Arcade is, that's kind of like we've always... The, to me, I mean, that's, that's my kind of uh, barometer is like where were they at like six years ago? That's kind of where we're at today. Um, and I just don't know because like they got, you know, they end up like Penny Arcade is like a huge concern now. They got this whole charity, Child's Play charity. They've got uh, this, this successful trade conference that like people go there and have no idea even what Penny Ar- what, what the PAX, the PA and PAX means. <laughs> um, like Jim, you know, you went to I don't know how many PAXs and didn't ever really were a fan of the comic. Yeah. So like. Yeah. Where and, and you know they started off where they had people and they hired like you know graphic artist here and a web developer here and a business guy there and they to greater or less abilities kind of wove those people into other types of content and you know built some of their people you know they they, they now they have like these uh, weekly role playing sessions on Twitch and they got various uh, produced content and uh, so I, I guess yeah like having more bodies in here to help us on, especially on the production side would be very nice. Um, I think Jim would like to, I mean, the one thing that we haven't really figured out and we need to is that like, 
the, 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 your probably biggest pain point is the perception that we have to be stuck in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are a couple of things that happen in the next five years. Like my son will be graduating high school. Um, you know, maybe tech, not like maybe we have a big enough uh, company that we can split it and um, and the, the different like there's the, 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 yeah, yeah, like there how do we make Paul Luke work from his sure. villa in, in Rome, you know, or where, wherever. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It'll be I'll be in Abruzzo if anywhere like Rome. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's like, it's like how do we make the time zone? It's not just the tech. It's like the time zone. How do we how do we make it to where like Jim can kind of satisfy his wanderlust and desire to not be in the armpit of the United States? Uh, his words, not mine. I, I love I love uh, I not, actually do I've, I've kind of fallen in love with Cincinnati in particular, um, but uh, I also like I don't know that I want to live and die my whole life here, so I I, I get that. Um, so so navigating that like that's the big five year challenge. Like how long is Jim going to be stuck in the Midwest? Uh, what is our what are what and and what is our plan to get out of there? Like what does our studio look like? How many employees do we need? What's the revenue going to come from? Is television still going to be stable? Like one thing that, that makes this work is the fact that we have giant shows that we cover like that. We really depend mm-hmm. on like having big tentpole shows that kind of bring new audiences in. And if television continues to diversify and splinter, that's going to be harder and harder to do. So, um, and, and, bef- and up to this point, we've been living kind of hand to mouth. So it's been like, you know, we've had one year plans, we've had three and six month plans, but we haven't had like, a five-year plan mm-hmm. and that's like developing that i think is is you know and there's like and we have plans for an app a bald move app is like kind of a, a critical piece of this infrastructure uh some other things we kind of got up our sleeve um i guess stay tuned we do uh, another uh, you know stealth ad for the club is we do this uh, feature called the empire business where once or twice a year we sit and do a series of kind of like behind the scenes here's what our money looks like here's what the challenges we're facing in advertising and challenges we're facing with club content. And if you're interested in that stuff, it's, it might be worth the price of admission just to get access to, there's probably got something like 20 episodes of that right now. And mm-hmm. we're about to do a whole series uh, in the next month or two. Yeah. All right. Whitney asks, how long do you see yourselves doing this? Hmm. Follow up question. And what would you want to do after? Also, what's your favorite whiskey? Oh, uh, wow. I want to do this as long as I possibly can. It's by far the best job I've ever had. It's still a job, but it's the best job. Uh, And I can't see myself honestly doing much of anything else at this point. I mean, it'd be... I I think what I would do is end up transitioning from, you know, the coder that I was before we started this whole thing into some kind of, uh, I guess, podcast professional in some capacity because that's where I have most knowledge now. Uh, but honestly, yeah, I, I would like to keep doing this. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like having opinions about things and sharing with people and arguing about them. So like this kind of really fits me like a hand in glove. Um, if there was ever an after bald move, I imagine I would still do something like some kind of podcast, some kind of video podcast, some kind of travel log thing, or I love to write for a site. Like I, I, uh, I do love television and movies and it would be cool to do, uh, you know, like, like what Joanna does with variety or Kim Renfro's doing for the insider, like find an outfit that would have me and pay me a, a living, living wage to like talk about this stuff professionally. 
Um, cause like Jim, like I, you it just know, it seems I, like a downgrade from what we're doing now. No, I get it. But like, you know, you said, you don't know what the future oh, was. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like if I'm saying like, goes if, under, sure. yeah, if all the movies go under or like, God forbid something happened to you or, um, cause I, yeah, like I, every time I think it's like, the other thing is like, I don't think I'd go back to it because if nothing else, I paired my living expenses down to where I could work a variety of jobs and, and cover my bills. So I would be looking for like a not-for-profit. Like I'd love to be a community outreach person for like a not a, a, a cause I believe in. Hmm. Um, I think that would be a cool, but like going back and like supervising code monkeys. Yeah. Writing another crud screen. <laughs> I'd just be a code monkey and that's no fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Jason, if you could pick one show to completely forget and watch again for the first time, what would it be and why? one show i mean i guess i'm picking breaking bad it's one of if not my favorite show ever and it was a fun watch that's the thing like discovering those characters again and that plot yeah like that that the 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 machinations of that plot are entertaining as hell and i would love to watch that for the first time again i won't say the wire because i will say that the wire rewards repeat watching like almost nothing else like mm. it's so many details like, that you just are background details on the first watch when you go through second and third watch they everything just gets more and more tightly knit, knit and woven together um what about westworld if i could just watch it and not do a podcast about it yeah i wonder if that'd be any better i was when i was thinking like what if i just watched leftovers no podcast like knock myself in the head i forgot leftovers oh i'm gonna discover this and <laughs> jim's not gonna watch it and so i'm just gonna do it and 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 uh, do it as a fan like that mm-hmm. like having just a, a fan experience like it also like in men in black flash me so where like i don't i don't even know that i'm a podcaster because like yeah, a yeah. lot of th- well, what I've become aware of in the last few years is like I can't watch things mm-hmm. as a regular person anymore. Like even when I'm watching a movie that I know I'm never going to talk about, there's the voice in the head of like, "Oh, it might be interesting to be blah," or "Did you notice this?" or "Look what they did with the lighting," and I'm like, "Fuck." Um, so yeah, I wonder how much of that is being a podcaster and how much of that is just having seen a million movies at no, this point. Yeah, like, like you, you uh, like if you didn't talk about it professionally, but you just had seen a bunch of movies. Like, as you get older, you see these right. things over and over, and you're like, oh, yeah, look what they yeah, did Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I started doing this is because I fucking loved going to see a movie every weekend and seeing what Roger Ebert had to say about it and why yeah. he liked and, like, you know, and and watching commentaries and seeing special features. Um, so you kind of, like, there's some of that. You're right. It's not even about, like, the fact that it's a professional this or professional that. It's just, like, imagine you go to film school. It's the same thing. It's going to ruin you oh, yeah. for a certain level of, like, movie magic, you know? Uh-huh. And that's why, like, I think the things are really weird and strange and out there. Like, Leftovers is what's really amazing to me because, like, I've never seen anything like The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can get lost in that because just the novelty of it and, like, oh, my fucking God, they're pulling this off. Wow. Um, overrides the just like oh what do I think about this as a take like you know what is what do I I like and then that's the other thing it's like sometimes I, I watch a bunch of movies that are fine and they're fun but like I'm forced to have a take on them like okay yeah I thought it was a 70 out of 100 and here's why this guy's hair was too greasy and this person's knee was too dry and they couldn't do the knee slide the way Tom Cruise like I it's it's tough because it's like it forces you to polarize on something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I find that the most annoying part of of watching things now is having to formulate an opinion because like some things some things I, I come to it and I'm like, yes, I have a very strong opinion. I love this thing or I mm-hmm. fucking hate this thing. Mm-hmm. 
it the worst things to watch in my opinion now are the things where I come away from it going that's pretty good. Yeah. Like a 5 out of 10, or, 6 out of 10. Or that wasn't great, but you know. Mm-hmm. Cuz there's no way to talk about that and get people excited. There's there's no way to talk for an extended time about that when that's our job, right. essentially. Like It's like reviewing develop vanilla at least a half an hour of content on this. Yeah. 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 It's just a bowl of vanilla ice cream. You know what it tastes like. You're mm-hmm. going to eat it for 2 hours. It's you fine. know if it's for it's you. It's fine. There's no sprinkles, there's no fudge. It's fine. It's fine. All right, Justin, now the Game of Thrones is done. I wondered if you had any good suggestions for current shows that are great for theory crafting. I do. Although, I don't know what you mean by done. Do you mean, like, done done? Can it be off season? Because I think Westworld is actually a really good show for theory crafting, even though I don't know that they always pay it Mm -hmm. off. But, man, you have a lot of people going on about theories in that show. Westworld... Uh, Mr. Robot. True Detective was actually like that. True Detective, although this last season didn't really reward. Uh, none of the seasons, yeah. honestly, have rewarded it, but it's been fun to do. Yeah, and it has happened. Um, that, I said Mr. Robot and Fargo. Uh, you said Westworld. Um, is The Expanse? Because I feel like the, the, it's it's following Theory? a book no. series that people... It's kind of like uh, Game of Thrones, where although I, I similar to Game of Thrones, this series is not done either. So I guess yeah. the high-level theory crafting I'm not evol- involved in because I'm trying to p- not pay attention to what's going on in the books. Um, and it doesn't have like you know prophecies and stuff like that that right. you can look at and say, what does this mean for the future of the show? Yeah, It's more like... The theory crafting is, are they going to follow this arc or are they going to stray from it? Right, you know? and, and how with the characters and the situations they've got already and the adaptions they've made, how are they, you know. So. Because they seem to be following the general plot right. of those books pretty closely. Um, Audrey, I've been a loyal listener and club member since 2016. Thanks, Audrey. Gosh, that's, that's a long time. Three plus years now. While the chemistry between Jim and Aaron has kept me coming back low these many years, I've also really enjoyed the extra Cecily, especially when all three of you together. What changes has allowed Cecily to do more casts with you? Are Aaron and Cecily still going to do their advice podcast? Any chance Jim's girlfriend would ever join in on a first-run movie? I've enjoyed having these women's perspectives peppered in. Um, what changed? I mean, honestly, the thing that changed is we had the money, mm-hmm. and we were going... We One of our... We knew to 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 get better, we were going to have to get bigger because we were at max capacity and had been at max capacity for a long time, and it was starting to hurt like other things in the business. Like we weren't taking care of some of the business things, and we weren't like thinking of new things, and we weren't doing things that, like experimental things because we didn't have time for it. Uh, so um, you know, we had some some good ad campaigns come through. We had. Uh, the club sale that went off like bananas and um we decided we wanted to take you know um it was a calculated risk because i don't think we've grown to where we quite have the revenue to sustain her salary long term but we had for sure a year or so of runway and with some plans to to put those in place you know like if honestly if game of thrones are coming back next year it'd be no problem but we don't have another Game of Thrones, uh, and we need to replace that revenue with with other more reliable things, which we're working on. So that's the thing that that's the thing that changed to to you know because before it's like it's a limiting thing. It's like with a full time job, doing as many podcasts as Cecily did just for fun. Um, I mean, I know how grueling that could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we so. did it for 
six years. Right. And, and uh, to no benefit to her. Like it was just yeah. like, it was just like she was doing it because she liked doing it and because she likes bald move and, um, and she, she likes talking on a podcast. So we do want to do an advice podcast. Um, it's just finding room in the schedule. Um, probably trying to have to like stop doing some things to do something else that, you know, kind of thing, or like getting Cecily going full time would help out on that too. We, we already talked about your girlfriend mm-hmm. and bald move, I think. Yep. I think that might be a good like dip toe in the water. Like, um, there've been a couple like, uh, detective Pikachu. I think she might've liked to sit in, but the problem with that is mm-hmm. this movie's go fucking late. Yeah. Uh, she's got she's, a really early morning. She does, although thir- Fridays she doesn't work her full time job. Yeah, uh, so she can stay up later, but she's tired from getting up at like that's what I'm saying six a.m. in the morning tough to swing that around. Uh, yeah, you know? so staying up till midnight is not easy. Maybe like one of these nostalgia, like uh, like uh, if we do uh, Super Serious Film Fest and there's a movie she feels real strong about, she could get in because that's like. You know, it's it, we can schedule it whenever. Mm-hmm. Um, she can have as big as small a part, like something that because it's a big just to jump into this thing is a, is a lot. Yeah, I think it's intimidating. And, and honestly, something you guys probably don't know is um, when Cecil and I first got it started, I had to spend like like when Jim and I first started, we probably spent three or four times longer editing a podcast than we did podcasting because mm-hmm. we weren't disciplined about going off on tangents or you know we we kind of didn't understand each other's natural rhythms on things so we'd step on toes or we'd cross talk or uh we'd lose our train of thought and or we'd go in circles and repeat ourselves not that we never do that, but like we have gotten <laughs> to where. You can get a podcast out the door like 10, 15 minutes after we hit stop recording. Yeah, as we're recording podcasts yeah. now, I'm actively marking things on the, the audio track that so I know can okay, right have to edit there. that out. Yeah. Jump to there, pull out the clip, I'm done. Yeah. And, you know, with Cecily, it's like the, I was going back to that days. Like, you know, if we did a, uh, an hour long podcast, you know, just to make sure I clean up all that stuff, I'd have to give it a one to one listen and. You know, the other thing is like, you know, Cecily and I have to keep it fun for her. We get fucking lit on a lot of these podcasts, which just excavates all those mm-hmm. exacerbates, whatever yeah. makes them worse, makes those problems worse. So um, I think we've gotten a lot better. But like that, it, it, like those American Horror Story podcasts were way more time intensive than the average bald move podcast because, you know, of those of those reasons. So um, bringing jim's girlfriend in the mix like he's cognizant that that process will have to like she's gone from zero podcasting and public speaking to this there's that's going to you have to account for that because Mm -hmm. to expect her to be just like merge smoothly on the on-ramp of podcasting is is just not going to happen yeah it's really honestly a thing that you know i would like to ease her into for the benefit of everyone us her because i know that like it's a it's a very intimidating thing to do when you first start and I don't want her to feel like this intense pressure to be good to be perform on a podcast. Tell her never to read reviews or any kind of. Well, that, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I want to do some sort of off the radar stuff with her yeah. first. Like, we had this idea for the the Brendan Fraser uh, retrospective that we kind of wanted to do. Do it as Al. Do. I do it as Al. Yeah, yeah. just go completely off grid. Yeah. Go in the mountains. Get ten, <laughs> there you go. Get Unabomber. But on we it. just spoiled that. Everybody knows about Al now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully sometime. Uh, 
Carla, do you find it difficult to maintain a healthy boundary between work and private life, given you are so open? Uh, I don't get recognized in the streets, so no. Which I think is what you're implying here, uh, given you're so open. I think it's also kind of like um, if you do live your life on, and it is it is tough. And like that's something me and Cecily we've been talking about this weekend, like you know with her working for Bald Move now, how boy the lines between work and and private life are are, are really fucking blurred now. Um, as far as just like when when you work and what yeah. is work like and what had, isn't. Like I, I and thank God we listen. I listened to this, but like uh, Kumal Nanjiani and his wife who professionally collaborate together they wrote a whole produced a whole movie um and i know i sound like i'm a bad feminist because i don't know her name it's emily something um but i called her camille's wife because that's all she's famous for um they had this thing where they someone i think it was on harmontown where they're talking about their professional relationship and how they had to institute rules like you want with your partner it's like you know when we're together like even off 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 the clock we still sometimes like we'll have an idea or something funny and like oh it's just back in a bald move conversation but that can get annoying when like yeah i've had a bad day and i just want to enjoy my food and someone's wanting to talk my ear off about their idea for game of thrones or vice versa so like kumail and emily came up with a system where there be could like 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 have a say hey hey look i want to hear this but let's like let's let's not let's not talk about work for like the next two hours or four hours or mm-hmm. i'll come and circle back to you and like something some way to just like say like okay i'm mentally checked out i don't want to deal with this uh, i'm not i don't have the energy and the mood for it because you can't be on 100 percent of the time and like working that stuff out um is 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 good um and like I said, we're still actively in it. Like, you know, I'm shit. Like four years from now, when Jack has a, a Twitch channel and a YouTube channel and like, how fucking weird is that going to be? Because that'll probably happen. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to want to try it. It might not succeed, but it's going to like, so like, I've got a lot of interesting milestones to, to, uh, to, to navigate as far as that goes. Um, Arzer. Do you think Game of Thrones will be the last golden age of television show that rules the monoculture? Is this fragmentation of audiences based on vis- in interest inevitable, or will something else grab most people's attentions? I don't think it's the last, but I think there is a trend toward... Like, if Netflix has their way, mm-hmm. there's a trend toward the water cooler show of the week is has come and gone within a week. Uh, they want you watching new stuff every single week. They mm-hmm. want you never leaving Netflix. Not you know, not spending an hour a week there. Spending thirty hours a week there. Yeah, and HBO wants to do the same thing. Yeah, and Disney Network wants to do the same thing. And so they're pumping out more and more content to try and do that. And if you keep, if you just dump it all at the same time, uh, ten episodes in one day, you're not going to get those big phenomenon shows. You're going to get splashes of it here and there it's going to be like you know when stranger things hits everybody's talking about stranger things for a week and then nobody's talking about stranger things Mm -hmm. you just you don't get that that same type of investment yeah i think i'm a little bit more bullish i think that the monoculture always has a way something is going to capture our attention and people are going to talk about it and other people are going to have that fomo that fear of missing out uh and want to like catch up on it now it's so easy it used to be like if you didn't catch on to a show in the first season or two then fuck it what are you going to do rent all the tapes from blockbuster like 
it's so much the low the the barrier to entry on a big show is so much lower um like because you can just go to hbo go or netflix or amazon and start watching it just you know in your free time mm-hmm. but you're right like if netflix gets its way i just don't think what netflix is doing is sustainable like i don't think three years from now we're talking about netflix dropping uh 40 hours of television uh three times a week every week i just don't think yeah. they can keep it up i kind of hope you're right uh I I don't I know that they're going deeper and deeper into debt. Like they're taking out more and more loans in order to pump this content out, mm-hmm. and, and they keep increasing their prices, and they keep on. Yeah, but there's a limit to all that. Yeah, there is, and also it's bad. It's long term bad for their shows because Stranger Things would be probably four times bigger if oh, yeah. people talked about it for ten weeks out of the year instead of two weeks out of the year. Absolutely. And this thing's gonna it's gonna come out now on July Fourth weekend. <laughs> yeah, half the people aren't even gonna watch it. And then the people are going to blend into everything else they're doing. It's like, I, yeah. They'll, they'll get to it, like, the next, yeah. middle of the next week. Uh, they'll they'll binge a couple episodes after their work day yeah. when they're begrudging their vacation is over. Like, right. yeah, it's, dude, I mean, it's, 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 it's a terrible I, I, they idea. They see it as their competitive advantage the same way, like, fucking Olive Garden sees unlimited breadsticks as the competitive advantage. But, like, uh-huh. there's only a, so much breadsticks I can possibly eat at a sitting. And then it's just like, I'm... I'm fucking a foie gras. I'm like a goose getting my liver fattened up. Like you got, you know, just because you got free breadsticks, man, don't mean I want to eat 40 every time I show up at the Olive Garden. Eventually I'll stop going. Um, So like, (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this, because I never, we we had this talk when Breaking Bad was going off the air and Mm -hmm. no one knew that Game of Thrones, the dragon show was going to blow up the 150 million people watching it simultaneously worldwide. So, like, every single time yeah. people say, well, you'll never get a Lost where there's 50 million people watching it in unison, there'll be Game of Thrones saying, hold my beer. Is The Watchmen going to do that? Is The Expanse going to do that? Is- that's why I say it's probably not The Lost, because we still have that old that old style of TV model, which mm-hmm. is weekly release of a single episode and the idea that you can build a community around a season of television. I think in my—I'll tell you what. I think in our lifetime, we'll see an international show be that, like— it's like something like the kingdom is going to come out of South Korea and mm-hmm. everybody's going to be watching that the way. But I just don't know. Like, th- that's what I mean. If Netflix has its way. Yeah. Like if, if this binge model is the thing that, that just kind of takes over television, I think it's far less likely that we'll have another show that, that performs like Game of Thrones. Cause you can't build a community around one week a year. Yeah, you can't. And, oh, well, and the, the, I guess tell that to the, fucking Burning Man or something like. That. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like sports, right? Like, uh-huh. um, there's some, there's a lot of people that would probably be into baseball or basketball or football if they could watch, you know, one game. Like football is like probably one of the reasons is more and more popular is because there's only 16 games you got to watch uh, if you want to stay in t- your team. But like, if you're a big fan of baseball or basketball, the amount of television you got to watch and. Uh, it's like a lot of people just opt out like fuck it i'm even though i might enjoy watching a game or here or there um and television can get that way too like if you have to start like shit watching this shit and listening to the podcast and reading the reddits and all that stuff it can be exhausting especially for people not doing it as a job so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how it goes yeah is it my turn yes uh what miles wants to know what's our all-time holy shit moment from a tv show I got a few. I tried to interpret what he meant by holy shit moment. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's like a moment that is just 
so good you can't believe it or a twist that's so twisty you can't believe it? I think any of these are acceptable holy shit moments. Okay. I have one as well. Okay. I have a bunch. Well, he, he asked, what's your all-time holy shit? I can't. Shit? I can't. That, I, holy I, shit moment. I have an easier time oh, okay. coming up with the top five than a top one. I'll, I'll give it to you. I had seven albums. You can have multiple <laughs> holy shit moments. Uh, box Cutter from Breaking Bad. Okay. Um, Let's see if you name my Breaking Bad one, because mine is from Breaking Bad. Uh, that's the only Breaking Bad one I got. Okay. The season finale of season three, I think, of Boardwalk Empire, where Richard Harrow shows up at a bordello to collect the kid and just roll up the whole shop. Uh, the climax of Justified season two, the Mags mm, Bennett story. That's a really good. It's in the glass all along. That's such a such a good twist. International Assassin, like that entire fucking hour of television on the leftovers. Um, those are my like when I think about TV that kind of like flipped my mind and like blew it of a, what this medium was capable of. Those are the ones that kind of stick out to me. Uh, what what you have? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, all very good. I my number one that stood out was from Breaking Bad in Crawl Space. Mm. Uh, the I think it's season four, episode eleven. Yeah. What was the moment? Right. Was it the? It's 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 Walt going down into the crawl space, yeah. realizing the money is I gone. Guess, yeah. And just losing his shit, like yeah, just yeah, yeah. losing it. He's losing his mind in that yeah. moment. And Brian Cranston does such a perfect performance. He left uh, it all out. Like, he yeah. just, nothing, 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 left nothing in the tank. Amazing. Um, Joey, if you could have one celebrity guest on your podcast, I had to narrow it down to the top five. Who would you choose? <laughs> uh, Gabe was on, he saw this on Twitter and said, it's got to be Paul Giamatti. I mean, that's a very good one, yes, but... Yeah, I almost what? can't at this point. Yeah, I'd be like, there's no way. Well, like, what do we have him on and say, Mr. Giamatti, there's something I'd like you to watch. Yeah, well, this this, this was all done out of love and respect for the work that you've done, <laughs> right. Mr. Giamatti. And, you know, I, I, I see myself as something as a hedgehog myself. I <laughs> Also, I, I'd like you to listen to three episodes of Quip. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the pitches that we did there, Giamatti Man. I've always been attracted to the showrunners. Like having mm-hmm. a guy like Vince Gilligan, David Simon, Damon Lindelof on and just talk about their process and how they come up with their ideas and how they break it down. And I just know like they, they, you know, and then Vince, you, you can hear him talk a lot on his podcast, you know, um, that he does with uh, on the official capacity, like Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. But those guys like that, I think those 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 just really interesting POVs to to have on and talk talk to. Man, this is one that I that was too big to premeditate. Those are it was too intimidating. Mm. Like I just I don't know. There are so many celebrities. There are so many interesting people to talk to. Uh, I I feel like the the person. I would most want to talk to would be someone who has relevant experience for what we're trying to do with bald move. Hmm. Like that would be the most interesting person is uh, like, like a, a Robert Koo or somebody, right? Like how do you take these two nobodies and turn them into at this point, international sensations, right? I mean, PAX is Mm -hmm. gone international. Just to be clear, you're talking about Mike and Jerry, not not bald move. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> no, I would ask Robert Koo how he did that yeah, for yeah, them because yeah. that's an astounding feat to me. Um, and it, I feel like I could get some actual because I I don't have a lot of I don't give a lot of shits about celebrities. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 
celebrities are just fucking people who have a job that is in the public light. Yeah. Like, I don't care to talk to Hugh Jackman ever. Maybe he's an interesting guy. Maybe I would, you know, talk to him for an hour and go, wow, that was a really cool conversation. Sure. But, like, I wouldn't seek that out Mm because I don't care. Mm -hmm. But, like, people who, I don't know. I I feel like I could have a genuine conversation about things that matter to both of our lives. Yeah, generating value is, like, a magical thing. Like, banging two rocks together and there's a profit. Like, you know, how did, (laughs) you know, how how did this guy, like, you know, like, Robert Q is a great example. The guy who took penny arcade and made it profitable mike and jerry from a, a fan's outside perspective did nothing differently it's just now suddenly they had they grew by geometrically because mm-hmm. they had some dude rubbing coins together and you know making these business deals and building these relationships and finding value and like uh, planning and plotting and then meticulously sweating the details and i'm i yeah. that, i don't have those bones in my body no, but I have I have the language to discuss it, and I feel yes. like that's important. Like I want I want to have a conversation that benefits both of us, right? Not just like me asking. So, what was it like to work with? Yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. Fomka Jansen, right? Like, who gives a fuck? Probably pretty cool. I yeah, it was probably Fomka pretty Jansen. cool. But you know what wouldn't be cool? The conversation about how cool it was. <laughs> like, no one cares. Uh, is it me? Yes, it is. Barbarist Smidgen asks, if you were strong actors and liked the work, which Game of Thrones character would you wish to have played in the series? Full gender fluid freedom, should your answer require it? Uh, Ooh, if I was a strong actor and liked the work. I'd like to do The Hound. The Hound, Mm. like, every fucking second of his screen time is solid gold, and he gets to do so much different things, and he's got the memorable quips, and he's always the one that puts you, that has the cutting quick cut down, and when he can't do that, he can literally cut you down. <laughs> it's like that eating at la- every last chicken scene must have been so much fun to film. Uh, I think that would be super cool. The Hound is for hands down. It's a really good one. Uh, I'd probably have to go with Braun. For a lot of this, a lot of similar reasons. So you're, that's why you're smarter than me because you got the role that's essentially the same thing, except for you also uh, get to hang out with uh, naked people and don't have to sit through oh, six hours true. of makeup. Yeah, <laughs> maybe pod so I could have a reputation. There as, you go. You know, but but then I'd get accosted on the street. People grab my. T- I don't uh, want any yeah. of that. Yeah, that's the no, unfortunate no, no. Braun. thing. Braun is the correct answer for me. Good, good answer. Good answer. Uh, Luke, are there any Australian TV dramas you're interested in? I'm gonna go full ugly american here i'm not aware of australian dramas it's uh, sad too because every time we've been recommended an australian film i've yeah. loved it animal kingdom fucking the amazing. Proposition, proposition fantastic like really good uh wasn't the mule australian too the mule is it an australian film or is it just you know it might be an australian film yeah uh, i really like that one too so I you got any recommendations? I'm not above watching it. Like I yeah. know you guys are doing really great work. I mean, uh, everyone like I, that's the thing about doing these TV preps on Netflix is like there's so much good shit coming out of Korea and India and Japan and China nowadays. Like all like the whole Asian continent and subcontinents are all rising up and making tons of really good shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I it's, it's, uh, us, us Anglo's are going to have a hard time keeping up. All right, Tony asks: Does Jim not know how to read, or does he just flat out refuse to read? Hashtag books are always better. 
Uh, a, that's not true. Books are not always better. Also, robots have more efficient ways of acquiring information. Uh, books are like when a... data just does the flip, 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 and he absorbs the entire yeah. thing. I mean, I, I prefer to uh, acquire my information through my eyes and ears uh, as opposed to my eyes alone. <laughs> uh what can what can i say maybe i'm yeah i don't know i don't like reading books because it takes a long damn time for me to read a book and at that point i could have just watched a, a show i can listen to an audiobook while i'm doing other things reading is is a thing that you focus on solely for i don't know how long it takes me to read a book a long time though days and days yeah, I mean it's uh it's it's kind of a preference thing. I don't I feel like my son's going to turn into a non-reader too. Hmm. Um he likes reading like in like informational things like National Geographic and things about space and but he I've tried to start him off on a bunch of things I thought he would like. Um and I started off like I read to him every night uh up until he was like 10 years old um and I thought he would start cuz me and my sister are both voracious readers and my my parents were and Cecily's a reader. We read all the time, um, but it seems like he, I don't know, maybe maybe he needs to find the series that grabs him and, and takes hold, because like that, that's the thing, like when I listen to Jim talk, and I just can't relate, like everything he says, it's, I get it, like if you if you love reading books, then like everything he said just sounds like unmitigated bullshit, but it's, it's people's preference, you know? Yeah. Uh, Heather and, wants, and it's not like I don't read books, I listen to books. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. See, I I prefer real books to audio books because it's I've found that like I can speed up and slow down the narrative based on how I'm enjoying a particular scene, like a scene that's like building up to something I can slow down and savor versus when there's just a lot of shit that I'm not caring about, I can kind of skim and blast through whereas like the plotting consistent pace of an audiobook, I find myself getting distracted and uh, oh, this thing's been droning for 90 seconds. Shit, skip, 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 skip. Okay, I'll pay attention this time. Oh, fuck, it's another five paragraphs about how this brick looks in the sunset. Oh, fuck. So, I guess I never do that with books. I don't ever skip a single word in a book. That's the only way I got through, like, the fellowship. That's what I mean. That's like, like Council Elrond yeah. can go suck a dick because it's 70 pages and half of it's elvish songs. <laughs> The hell with that, man. Like, yeah, I see a Talisized those in J.R.R. Tolkien, and I'm skipping, and Fair. I didn't miss a thing. Uh, <laughs> Mark. Or no, no, that's actually uh, Tether. Uh, congrats, guys. My question is, what are you going to do with all this fame? I'm going to take it to the fame bank. I'm going to cash that shit in. Oh, yeah? I'm going to squander it. Are you? Squander <laughs> yeah. it? Nice. That's my plan. Nice. You'll probably enjoy it more. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mark. How does Spotify buying up podcasting companies such as Gimlet affect the future of podcasting? Also, iHeartMedia acquired the Stuff Media Podcast Network, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spotify is obviously a closed-down platform, which doesn't allow for premium feeds, but does it allow for a much larger shop window to get people through the door? It seems like the way of the world is pod companies buy up other companies and... It consolidation seems, it seems like it's really awesome up until the point where it's not mm-hmm. um, i think we are passing that point with like media conglomerates now with the latest moves disney has pulled like i i feel like we are and, and like with, with things like banks um i think we're way over the line and we need to start splitting some of that stuff up uh and podcasting i think it's the same way like 
uh, iTunes Star, this massive lead that they have for reasons that are bewildering to me, just of sat and let 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 Android and all these other platforms in. Like they could have. They could have, from day one, baked in monetization of podcasts, um, and they could have made money. But they've like ran this as this weird loss leader, and they've had as like the, one of the first truly new cultural f- forms of media dissemination that we've had in in my lifetime, and has given it zero value. Mm-hmm. And I, I I I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, you you basically read my premeditation uh, premeditated comments here. Uh, TV, you, you see what's happening in TV. Uh, the exact same thing is going to happen. Podcasting is just a few years behind because the money isn't as big, but it's coming. It will happen. Uh, these big companies will snap up all of the attention. I mean, it's already happening. Look at the top charts of iTunes five years ago. Uh, actually look at the top charts of iTunes compared like right before serial hit. And now look at them. Mm-hmm. And, you you almost cannot find an independently produced podcast in the top 100 uh, iTunes charts. Yeah. It's just like we occasionally get there when we do a big fucking show like Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but that's only because we've been doing it for a decade. Good luck trying to get in there now. And that's just going to get worse and worse. People are going to buy up all of these networks, all of these small guys. And yes, you will be paying. Like, look at the bundling that's happening with subscriptions. I mean, Disney is has two fucking subscription services, Hulu and now the Disney Plus, guaranteed they're going to bundle those all together. It'll become one big subscription. You're going to have to go to major corporations pretty soon to get any podcast content. It wouldn't that's shock professionally me produced. for like HBO and Netflix to do a, a, a deal where yeah. they just yeah. like be because like that's I mean, the HBO only, is willing to sell. That's <laughs> the only it's the only well and there's not any kind of out of their hands because whatever no, it's AT and T or yeah and time, whatever time Warner yeah. now like I mean that's the only way you're going to f- square off against the mouse yeah is for the little guys the the suddenly little guys to band together it's, it's going to all be interesting all be interesting what we're going to live through it and, won't be good it won't be yeah, good it'll just yeah. get worse from here and you're going to end up paying a lot more for. Uh, You'll end up paying a lot more for a lot more stuff, but stuff you probably don't care about. It's funny because it's like all this was memes f- 10 years ago when we first started talking about cord cutting. Like the whole idea that your internet would turn into your cable TV package with like different things, you know, mm-hmm. buying Netflix fast lanes and the fact that now like you don't have cable, but you know, do you, do you want to watch Star Trek? Well, you better have CBS All Access online. Do you want to watch. You know, Harlot, so you better have Hulu. Mm-hmm. Do you want to watch uh, the, you know, Good Omens or uh, The Expanse? You got to have Amazon. And it's like being a cord cutter, if you want to keep up with everything, is expensive. And so people yeah. don't. So it's like, well, who are the big ones that are going to survive? I, I, I don't know. Uh, like I said, it, it's going to be ugly, but it'll be interesting. And we'll see how everything shakes, off, uh, shakes, shakes out at the end. Uh, Ben, what's been the biggest disappointment for you? The decline of The Walking Dead leading to your quitting the show during arguably the most interesting comic storyline or the finale or the final series of season of Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones. Yeah, Easily Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. I've spent so much time on Game of Thrones, invested so much of my life in many ways into Game of Thrones, and here we are. Yeah, and I, you know, there's some people like it, and I'm, I'm, I'm jealous for you. But uh, boy, that really took a lot of wind out of my sails. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, Chernobyl and Deadwood and 
uh, Fleabag, a couple others kind of put the win right back. But uh, it was a a lot of time and effort spent uh, in the last two years building up to Game of Thrones, and for me at least didn't 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 add up. Um, yeah. I believe it's your turn. Is it me? Oh, uh, DC Cuda has uh, wants us to pick from a series of characters. They're gonna do a this person or that person. We have to choose James Holden or Jon Snow. And and for people who don't know, these are all gonna be the Expanse characters versus Game of Thrones characters. I feel like this is like that Pam from The Office meme where I literally can't tell the difference. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm going with Holden. Yeah, Holden's the future. He he is the future. Uh, I feel like he had a rocky past, but he's on the path to recovery. Jon Snow kind of was just a dope. Yeah. All along. <laughs> like he was doing big things, but yeah. just not very engaging. It's kind of like the, the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady conversation. It's like it was interesting, and then one of them retired, and now the other one's going to run away with it. So. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Amos or Braun? It was a conversation. But I felt like Amos had a real strong season three of The Expanse. Mm -hmm. Like, the apex Amos badass moment of all time. Uh, The infamous I am that guy scene. We just Uh, watched that the other day. Goddamn. That's good. Whereas Braun had a, hey, I'm being shoehorned into this season because people love me. Yeah. Like... You know, we loved Braun because of all the awesome things he did in the early seasons of Game of Thrones, and he's kind of been coasting on that where Amos is still building steam. So I got to go. Also, uh, just straight up sex in his contest, Amos blowing Braun's doors off. <laughs> yeah, of course. Jesus Christ, Amos is a good looking man. Yeah, but the, 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 I don't feel like it's fair to compare a man who must be nearing 50 now to a man who's probably in his early 30s if if that yeah but that man also took down lena hetty in their primes so like he's not he's right. he's, and he's a pop star in britain he like, can he's sing got... yeah i bet amos can't sing there you go but he can walk in high heels <laughs> <laughs> he definitely knows how to do that uh christian or cersei chris jen or cersei i like christian a lot fuck no but no. it's hard to beat Cersei. I'm, it's it, impossible to beat Cersei when your opponent is Christian. I'm interested in seeing Christian unleashed in season four because now she can she can be her full vulgar self from the novels. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe she'll be better. Uh, Draper or Arya, Bo- Bobby or Arya? I gotta go with Bobby. Uh, like, yeah, I, I love Arya. My fucking cat's named after her, but uh, you know. I, I've tried to rate this on a badass scale. Mm-hmm. I've seen, like, once you see Bobby Draper step up to a, a turbo lift door and just pry it open. Mm-hmm. Like, granted, she's in a there. suit, but her suit, she, that's, if it her just, action it would just, figure it would just were take made, her twice as long to do it barehanded. You know, it'd still get done. <laughs> right, it'd still get done. <laughs> uh, how about Proto Molecule or Night King? I mean... Proto-Molecule. Yeah. It has more of a personality. Already, like, and yeah. a purpose, and everything. Jesus uh-huh. Christ. For sure. Um, and finally, Julie or Lyanna Stark? <sighs> I, uh, okay, yeah. Book. Uh, if you add the books, uh, then Julie, mm. no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Game of Thrones got ran out the fucking gym here. I know. Because uh, if you'd asked me like two seasons ago, it'd have been a hell of a lot harder on a lot of these questions. But like, Absolutely, where there was still possibility ahead of us. Time to get on The Expanse, y'all. It's the space Game of Thrones. It's going to be on Amazon. Hell yeah. Watch it however you have to. 
Uh, Lee, what has been the high point and low point for each of you over the past how many years? This can be anything at all bald move related, something on TV or film, or some even issue that you've had to resolve in building the empire. Uh, I think the high point is either, I couldn't really choose here, it's that, that Mark Hamill tweet moment uh, from Groundhog Day this year, or hitting number one on the iTunes podcast charts uh-huh. was like, I mean, I talked, you know, early on in this about how 50 million downloads seemed like no way impossible. Number one on iTunes is that times 10. Uh, like 50 million you could do if you put out 50 million podcasts and you downloaded them once. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Getting to number one on iTunes requires an effort by the people who are part of your community. And that to me is just shocking. Uh, my low point is always the weeks where we do like eight nine podcasts uh for us it's like a sustained period because i can do like the other week we did nine podcasts and that was like okay well this is the seventh week of a pretty heavy workload and now it's just kind of everything crashing down on you but that's only for a week mm-hmm. but there were times a few years ago back in my old apartment where we were doing eight podcasts a week for like 12 weeks in a row mm-hmm. and that had a huge drag on me just mentally yeah um, I mean, I've pretty been pretty open about it, but last year was a pretty tough year for me. Um, I had some personal tragedy. My granddad died. Um, I was, and it happened in the middle of like some pretty big deadlines for hitting my Gods of Thrones book. And I had been living for like, ever since we started Bald Move on like a shoot, like, um, very like like zero room margin for error kind of budget, um, situation. And that's like, you know, if you guys, uh, I know there's probably a lot of people still in that. Uh, and it's, it's really stressful when like, okay, I'm, I'm making it, but God damn it. Like if my, I got a car that's got 250,000 miles on its odometer and thing. I mean, Jesus, I don't know what I, I honestly don't know what I've done if that thing's engine blew up like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Cause I like add a car payment on the, all on that. Like, um, I mean, my, my, uh, 2004 Pontiac vibe unsung hero of the bald news story. <laughs> like that thing, yeah. that thing's beating heart from a Toyota Corolla is just indomitable. Like I, it's, it's crazy. And uh, I just felt like I was failing at everything, and I was letting my family down. And then, like, Jack, like, uh, late last year, started struggling for the very first time in school. Um, and, like, I just felt like I was, like, I just got, just kept on getting kicked in the teeth. And it really, it really took a toll on me. Uh, and this year's been a lot better. Um, I got to not try not to put myself in that position where I'm that buried in work again, where I just feel like I can't get out for a whole year. And, yeah and uh but that yeah last last year it's it's funny because like there's a lot of really big moments for bald move and everything just felt like muted i wasn't able to, to like take full joy in it because i was just uh you know kind of had a wet blanket on me but um there's that's my answer high points like jim you know like uh these these last few charity drives we've done um that have been really successful the uh the 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 you know getting top marks on on itunes all that stuff has been really really freaking exciting and cool and something that's just like I don't it's one of those things where it's like when I talk to like when I meet people for the first time or I'm in like in people are like oh what do you do like I try to tell the least interesting version like oh I run a podcast network in Cincinnati and oh what do you talk about oh movies and television oh what are some of the things you heard and like like there's no version of this thing that doesn't end in me like awkwardly bragging about myself Um, or like what's worse is when I have a friend that knows me better and they're well-meaningly egging me on like oh he's being too mod I'm like oh Christ I want (laughs) to 
retracting my own asshole. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why. It's so yeah. hard to deal with pride in something you've done where it feels like it's like, I don't know if it's like this like false humility from my Jehovah's Witness days or what, but like, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. I love my, my longtime friends. Like I've got a handful of friends that have been with me since like before bald move because mm-hmm. they don't even give a shit. Like none of them listen to the yeah, podcast. That's really cool. <laughs> um, some of them do like here and there, but like I don't have it. And, and it's like, um, it's, it's fun because like I can just talk to them about kids and jobs and, uh, you know, in, in, in like an abstract sense, like stresses, not like, oh, you must, you're a podcaster. You just, you know. Yeah, well, I, I think it's cool because like I have, you know, friends who I've been friends with for, I don't know, a ton and ton of years way before we started this. And like, I can, I can still talk with them about these things, but it, I never feel like I'm bragging. I'm just kind of giving them an update on yeah. how it's going, you know, and they're curious about it and like, it, but but it doesn't like dominate the conversation right. either, right? We still have this thing beyond just like, oh, oh, you're that successful of a podcaster, yeah. To talk about it. it's it's also like I, I, nice. I really value the guys from Seattle because like just mm-hmm. coincidentally they've all had like giant successes. Like one's a yeah, really successful architect. And- Some guy started and founded a successful brewery. Um, another guy's been like got in Amazon at the beginning, and uh, you uh-huh. got another guy who's like seems to be successful at literally anything he wants to do graphic design mm-hmm. video editing uh sales and marketing traveling the world yeah to, uh, to, to, for his job like for, for it's all about video, you know video selling video games and stuff like it's yeah. um it, it it's it's nice it's it's nice to go out and just like hey look at all like look at all the cool stuff that everybody's doing and it's all fun to kind of catch up on that so mm-hmm. um yeah that 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 helps having people that you can share that stuff with. Uh, Brian asks, which is your favorite character from all the shows you've cast about and why? Uh, yes, several others, but let's stick with that for now. I'm going to go with Richard Harrow from Boardwalk Empire, although I will say that Amos from The Expanse has given him a hell of a run for his money. Because <laughs> he's just like, Richard Harrow is just such a fucking interesting guy. World War One vet, got half his face blown off. He's portrayed just like this really restrained performance by Jack Huston, Houston, because he's supposed to have like these severe physical like uh, problems and he can't speak right and he wears this tin mask and he's also just a fucking lethal badass. Like with all like he's an assassin from his his, his sniper war experience and that comes in handy when you're running booze in Atlantic City. It turns out. <laughs> Um, and he just yeah. has like a great fucking arc. I I love everything about him. I think mine might be Miller from the Expanse. Good, like good Thomas choice. Thomas Jane brings just like a I, I, he tickles me because he's like such an exasperated character. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give a shit about yeah. most things that people give a shit about. He's such but a great he very strongly does give a shit about certain things. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's sort of those idiosyncrasies of his character that make me just every time he's on the screen, I smile because I know there's something either ridiculous that's going to happen or something badass that's going to happen or a bad decision he's going to make for really good reasons and everybody's going to get pissed at him. Yeah. It's just a great character. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah How I'm about sorry. most disappointing character? Uh, I'm going to go with Dorn Martell. 
<laughs> Man, that's a strong one. Yeah. Uh, I had not seen Alexander Sadig in anything cool since, like, literally Reign of Fire. And he's <laughs> got, like, an all-time best badass, like, hidden Viper-type speech that he delivers in the, the novelizations of the, the Game of Thrones series. And when they cast him, and I'm like, oh, and it's, like, coming on. And, and I didn't know what Prince Doran was going to do because fucking George Martin stopped writing the novels. But I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, man, this guy is going to be, like, as the brother for fucking Oberon and, like, the going to give the fire and blood. Like, oh, it's going to be so fucking cool. And literally nothing. Literally nothing. Man. I think they just filed off the, the the details of his wheelchair, gave it to Bran, and that's that's all we got from Prince Doran, <laughs> who is such a interesting, unfulfilled character in his own right from A Song of Ice and Fire. What about you, Jim? I'm struggling to come up with a better one than that. That's pretty fucking disappointing. And it just the like, even as just a show watcher only, right. the promise was there. Like Alexander City, yeah. uh, I really love that actor. Uh, I I knew that you had kind of some of the stuff that was going to happen with the the Dorn stuff yeah. in the books and I'm like oh this could be really cool I wonder where they're going to take it and it was the opposite of that in the show it was just uncool deeply uncool they took it nowhere <laughs> they just said nah we don't want to deal with any of this yeah. goodbye they went all in on the sand snakes and skipped poor Doran yeah. poor, poor Alexander so that's a good one uh, he also continues any show you missed casting about and regretted it I do wish we had gotten in on the ground floor of season one of, of True Detective because that yeah. really caught a lot of people's imagination, and I think it, it fit us like it, but it just the schedule didn't quite work out, and we, we missed it. Um, I don't know. It had been cool if we'd gotten mm-hmm. in ground floor of The Expanse. Yeah, we were, but would we have kept doing it? Like, yeah. As many people... I, I don't know. I don't know. Expanses, and, we, and, and then you got the you got the X Files and the Losts of of the world as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, did you stick with The Walking Dead too long or bail too early? I mean, in hindsight, we clearly bailed too early. I think we did maybe both. Yeah, could, could we have stopped around like season the That's end of season true. four you and could, then come back you could for argue season nine? That we should have shut it down like immediately after Alexandria was like as, as soon as the cold rolled steel, yeah, we yeah, built yeah. that for all of its steel just skip the whole negan arc and yeah and then go directly just, to whatever just, they're doing now or just stop there and you know done it. but like yeah like with that show was still wildly popular like our version where we were just every week like why are we doing this why are we all doing this why are <laughs> why are we making this mutual commitment this terrible show um yeah but yeah it turned out it would have been season nine would have been a lot of fun to cover so fuck me i guess uh p favorite on-screen game of thrones romance ashes in my mouth it's jamie and brienne <sighs> well see i on screen on screen is key because i think that uh it's hard to beat egret and john snow okay that's chemistry so one. good they fucking got married in real life yeah um i really liked everything they did and that's some of the strong yeah yeah I, that, that's to me the best because everyone else i feel well, that, yeah, that didn't end up ha- having a happy ending either. But I'm like, a lot of the others are tinged by just how terrible things ended. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's why I say it's ashes in my mouth yeah. with Jamie and Brienne because I was so happy and so excited for her going into the second to last episode and then it happens. Yeah. Uh, Amy, if you never started podcasting, what would you be doing right now? 
Uh, I'd be a web developer or hopefully maybe some other kind of business idea because I was definitely in that mode when we kind of started Bald Move, but probably a web developer. I'd probably be some sort of project manager or project lead in some consulting firm writing some kind of medical software or legal assistant software or yeah. <laughs> something that I, you know, the stuff I've been doing for the 10, 15 years before I, I got on a bald move. Um, cause why would you stop that? If it's, uh, if it's, I was getting, I was definitely getting bored. That's why I was starting to shift into management because I'm like, I just can't mm-hmm. care about this fucking like other than abstract. And I was also really good at, um, like I was really good at talking to clients and, you know, I feel like this is like very straight out of office space. So what do you do? <laughs> you, you take, you take the requirements and you give them to like, yeah, fucker had send an engineer in there to get its customer requirements and, and, uh, sit through there with the testing and all that stuff. Like I, there's, yeah, like I felt like management was the next challenge. Um, but you know, managing developers is not easy. So I'm glad to be doing this instead. Yeah. <laughs> Robert. What would you say are the top three things you contributed to your success? And what would you suggest to someone just starting out? Something that you wish you had known. I came up with exactly three here. Mm. I didn't go overboard. Uh, Timing, consistency, and persistence. Uh, We got lucky with the timing of our coverage that we kind of got in on the ground floor of the TV podcasting game. We always set a goal to uh, be consistent and treat this professionally. Um. And that at times was very hard to do, but I feel like it was a huge factor. If we didn't have a podcast out every week, there are, you're just giving people an opportunity to turn you off and never come back. Yeah. Uh, if you let people down, they'll understand they don't really care about this. They don't really care about me. So that consistency is so important. And then persistence to just continue doing it until it became a thing that we could do full time until it became a thing that could actually support us like those are the three biggest things in my mind yeah and i think that like um because those are all right on i also think that like our chemistry is like um something we get for free and like it's what sets us apart from a lot of other equally good podcasts is that they just don't i mean sometimes i can see the twinkle in jim's eye and i'm like okay it's time for me to set him up for a spike or (laughs) vice versa and you know, when you have two guys that met six months ago and were thrown into a coat closet to bang out a podcast for X, Y, Z, they don't like, you know, they're all trying to force the humor and they're trying to, or went on a Facebook group and we're like, uh, Mm -hmm. looking for a co-host for this X, Y, Z podcast. I'm thinking about. Yeah. And the guy ghosts them three, you know, three, three or four uh, episodes into the run. It's like, you see all that. And, um, you know, that's something that we've never had to worry about. And I think that's also something that's been a big competitive advantage is that we just by virtue of knowing each other for a long time and the history we have can make something interesting and funny when it might not otherwise be so. And trust. I think like, yeah, there are very few times in this whole operation that I have been sort of let down by you. I, I struggle to even come up with one. Uh-huh. Uh, just the idea that, you know, you like when you set out to do something that you're your co-host is going to have your back right is is something that's so important because we've had other hosts uh who that has not been the case for Mm -hmm. and that is the fastest way to kill a podcast is to have one person or two people who are very committed and have another person who is not yep uh that that just really sours the whole thing uh any suggestion for someone just starting out that you wish you had known uh 
I, so I'm I'm struggling with this, and I've always struggled with this. But like, I think the number one thing is probably do what you love, not what you think other people will love. Um, because ultimately, if you turn this into a career, which is kind of the goal, I think, of a lot of people asking these questions, mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to be doing something you don't love. Yeah. And I've always like, there's some delicate balance here where half the time I'm doing things I love, half the time I'm doing things that I love less mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe even don't enjoy at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if if all I were doing was just things that I didn't enjoy doing uh, because, well, okay, I'm in this too deep now and it's all about the financials and the employees who are depending on me and stuff like that, then I would be miserable. But there's there's some kind of balance there. You got to do some stuff you don't like, but try and do stuff you love. Plus, like, yeah, like just in the beginning, if you're really truly starting from nothing, then there's so many things. You're building your future here. Like, yeah, yeah. Don't... You are building the company. Yeah. Build it the way you want it. Right. And and do the kind con- like, you know, you got to coast on passion on some of this stuff. And like, you know, uh, and I think that's something we've always had. Like we had very when we started, I remember we brainstormed like what we want this podcast to be and what we don't want it to be. And like, we were really in sync with like, these are the important, here's the important things. You can't do this. And we hate when podcasters do this. And we mm-hmm. set out to do the podcast. We wish other people had made. Um, and you can't go wrong with that because the reality is you're going to be, you're going to suck at so many things. And you're going to, f- you're going to fail at so many others that you don't even know like what demons are down the line. Um, that you if you're if you hate it and you're just doing it to achieve a particular goal it's going to be hard to stick with mm-hmm. you know because that's the thing like if we had stopped at 77 episodes of blue yonder it's still been like i would have had zero regrets i learned oh, a yeah. lot and it was fun and i'd probably even go back and listen to him from time to time just to have a good laugh because there's still some of those things we did that i think are hold up and are fun mm-hmm. so good advice Whose turn? It's yours. Uh, Kay asks, rank, or asks us to rank the following sophomore slumps from best to worst. <laughs> Daredevil Season 2, Fargo Season 2, Mr. Robot Season 2, True Detective Season 2, Westworld Season 2. Uh, from best to worst. Uh... I guess Daredevil Fargo? season two is the worst. Oh, we're going to... Okay, so uh, best. The best to worst. So Fargo is probably the best. Fargo's re- season two is real good. Um, I would go... Here's here's my list. Uh-huh. Fargo, Daredevil, True Detective, Mr. Robot Westworld. Huh. Because I think Fargo is the best. Because it's not really even bad. There's like a... a, a, a a minor stumble pro- that I way probably overreacted to, and also because I had they had kind of done a similar thing in season one of Fargo, and I'm like, oh well, fuck if they're gonna. Anyway, but then I think Mr. Robot and Westworld are kind of on the same level of it's not bad, but there was a noticeable kind of a lot of throat clearing and feet shuffling in the plot, like oh boy. That I, I really want to get on to the next chapter, but I'm stuck wrapping up this one. And then yeah. I think um, I think True Detective is it's it, if it wasn't a True Detective thing, it would be a fine, forgettable thing, and it had some great performances in it. Uh, but Daredevil season two, I thought was a real drop off in that Immortal Ninja stuff. Yeah, 
And season yeah. three of Daredevil is so good, and season one of Daredevil is so good that it, it stands out. I just felt like Mr. Robot and Westworld failed conceptually. Like, they went so in on their yeah, concept no, that they that they were, in my eyes, just complete garbage. And uh, Daredevil had the Punisher arc, which was really good. Whereas yeah. I'm struggling to think of the the definitive Mr. Robot, Westworld 2, season 2. I mean, when I think of the definitive ones, it's like Angela. Uh, and that was not good. I didn't enjoy any of that. Yeah. So, like, the, I like the, that it's better. defined by its bad arcs to right. me uh, and like like the best things about westworld season two were kind of like standalone yeah to you know samurai world or shogun world and then you had the kitsuya whatever the um okay what the man i've forgotten all these people's names I, what was the the uh a catch it a catch it i don't know how you say it that was a good episode of television in the yeah. middle of kind of like a, a mess of a season so bald mood oh mark should give credit where credit's due. Mark with a four-parter. Uh, Bald Move has experimented in areas such as commissioned movie reviews, live instant feedback, etc. What features are you working on for 2019 slash 2020? Wouldn't oh, you like man. to know? The, the, yeah, that's why he's asking. <laughs> I mean, we're still noodling on Super Serious Film Fest because mm-hmm. we think we've got a thing here. We just don't know what that thing is. Uh, there's also something that I'm not prepared to talk about. There's another thing I'm not prepared to talk about. Uh... <laughs> I think the big thing is what we want to do in 2019 is build a really cool studio that allows us to do the work that we want to do in a nice professional manner with a nice upgrade to our video. And we're going to try to be more successful in video, like Mm -hmm. without losing anything that we're doing on the podcast. Can we make a video version of this? Um, with a low time investment that we can throw out on, because it seems like long form YouTube entertainment is starting to be popular. Yeah. And I see no reason why we can't build something up to be in the neighborhood of a red letter media, given a year's worth of time to, to put it together and, and polish it up. It's going to change. It's going to require change in our workflow upgrades in technology. Um, but that's the thing I'm probably most excited about. Like, uh, like some of these, like so the, the, what we've called enhanced podcasts on the, uh, Super serious film reviews, like the one we did in fantasy, like I thought we, um, I think that's kind of like, I guess, the future of, of Bald Move, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Not the future. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that we want to do more of. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a whole bunch of other questions, right? Mark <laughs> continues. Now that Bald Move is big time, uh, for some definitions of big time, any interest in bringing on insiders or players from some of the show you're covering? Shows you're covering? Not particularly. No. Yeah, I I've heard from so many f- people, uh, podcasters, that that really makes a relationship weird. Yeah, how could it not? That that you once if, you if get... I had a, a an a, if I had a podcast to do on Gods of Thrones, mm-hmm. how would I do? How would I do right. that podcast? Right. Like, because like, what if I didn't like a paragraph? Yeah, right. What if I had critiques? Like. Unless unless something is so stellar that you have literally nothing to say negative about it, I think that bringing on creators of content can only harm you. Yeah, because you just can't love everything all the time. And part of being a fan is sometimes uh, not liking something. Sometimes it's sometimes it's having doubts, and then seeing that doubts, uh, you know, assuaged uh, or <laughs> like intensify. Like that's part of the fan experience. Honestly, it's like rooting for a team. Like. Um, I thought I, the most fun I ever had rooting for the Colts is when they kind of sucked. Like when we had that like ten year decade of dominance, where like we would get to almost the Super Bowl and then the Patriots would f- kick our ass in. That wasn't fun because like 
you, you just took for granted all of the regular season. It's just like, well, let's just see how far we make it. It, it, it was a much more fun when you were a scrappy team just trying to make the playoffs. So, um, you know, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, what am I saying? Bringing these, uh, like, 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 well, yeah, what the fuck was I saying? How did this have anything to do with bringing <laughs> insiders and players from other shows are covering? It's like football. Yeah, it's like football. Come on. Yeah, I don't know why. It's, it's, you don't yeah, understand that metaphor? I put I put this hat on and and I get all sporty up and suddenly it's all sports metaphors. No, it would it would either affect the relationship that you have with those people or it would affect your coverage of their content and neither of those sound. Oh, that's to a me. quintessential part. Like part of being a sports fan is having your heart broke so that when you finally come through, it's that much sweeter. And part of being a, a television fan is to hate and love the characters in equal measure and then. Hopefully, once a year, they pull out something that makes you really miss them for a whole, whole, whole other year. And there's ups and downs. And, um, like, as a, like, you know, I, there's a reason I don't read the fucking iTunes reviews because, like, mm-hmm. you know, I can read 25 star and one one star will fucking piss me off for a whole day. I don't want that relationship with the person that I like. I don't want Vince Gilligan, like, yeah. God damn it. Aaron says he do not know where this season of Better Call Saul's going. Fuck him. I'm not, you know, to tell, to tell, tell, tell him. The the have my agent tell him to go fuck himself. I, I don't I don't have time for that. Yeah. Um. F- three. When will Jim be referring to his girlfriend by a first name? In her first podcast, her legal name is uh, turns out it's just girlfriend. Jim's girlfriend. Yeah, my, uh, my girlfriend. It, it's a good thing she ended up with you. I think I've I've said it many times. You just you're not a big enough fan. Uh, if you haven't heard my girlfriend's actual yeah, name, it's been like three times. Oh yeah. They're they're out there. You just haven't heard them because apparently you don't like bald moves. It's probably about as often as I mess up and refer to you by your <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about allowing for two to three live caller interactions, kind of like click and clack on NPR based on impact D- no. input found on forums? Look, tr- trust me, no one except the caller wants that. No one wants that. We don't want that. The audience doesn't want that. The only person who wants to call in live to a podcast is the caller. I don't think that's necessarily true but here's the 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 amount of editing required to edit down uh a live conversation with a fan who is not a podcaster Uh is enormous and if you don't do it Uh your your audience will your audience is not there to hear a podcast Uh caller yeah your audience there to hear a podcast host so um I, i i i think that the big problem is uh with our personnel that I can plow through 500 to 1,000 emails in a big season per, like, 24-hour period, but 100 email voice or voicemail messages oh. is just way... Like, we did it, and just, like, doing a dozen or so mm-hmm. takes so much time because people, like... Yeah, I think hours. Yeah, I think, and then, like, you know, people don't, like, sit and, like, write a tight one-minute comment. Uh-huh. They meander, and they leave a long five-minute voicemail that's like, oh, you know, and, like, editing that into its most essential... Just going through it to try to figure out what you want to use and then edit. So, like... Bald move would be significantly bigger to even think about that. I do think it would be yeah. a popular feature. I I don't like people yeah. aren't. I don't know. I th- th- so there Call are a lot shows of are weird for a reason. Well, not with me. That's the thing. Like ah. I'm I'm weird in a lot of respects. Like I don't like live podcasts. I don't like, uh, or or at least podcasts that are in a podcast feed that were recorded live mm-hmm. i don't like those i like going to live podcasts no I, I like click and clack i like fresh air i like talk 
talk no i like i don't uh, like call-in shows because i'm show, yeah. i'm not there to hear the caller i'm there to hear the host i like sports talk shows i i i get it i i, I get the wavelength they're hitting on there mark nah you can do the the aaron live call-in hour i might and have a whole bunch of people calling your turn all right amy says if you had to live somewhere on planetos where would it be uh she kind of thinks bravo sounds appealing uh what would also be what would be the absolutely no way spot? Molestown is a hard no, according to Amy. Uh, I think that the sole population of uh, Molestown is, is uh, sex workers. So if that doesn't yeah. appeal to you, then yeah, Molestown is, is a hard no. Um, Bravos is pretty cool, pretty cosmopolitan. You'd have uh, shitbirds challenging the duels left and right. That, that'd get old. Um, Getting mugged in the street for a pigeon. I feel like Dorn feels like they're pretty live and let live fairly egalitarian as far as these things go in a medieval society the weather's nice the wine is good uh the people are fierce and interesting i i, I like dorn dorn's good i was thinking high garden oh yeah seems like a nice place to live uh rolling hills and fields yeah and abundant food and nice weather uh and my definite no is beyond the wall <laughs> Like I, yeah. I do not want to live in a, a place that cannibals where the and giants snow never melts. Yeah, yeah the snow. Ne- yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a, that's a tough one. No thanks. Uh, and yeah, any, anywhere in Slavers Bay, I, I <laughs> yeah. don't want to grow up in a place where it's a flip of a coin whether you are on top or whether you're a literal slave. That's yeah. that's a bad bad place to be. Uh, Johnny, I'm always curious about the money aspect. You don't seem to have gone down the Patreon route, which is very popular nowadays. It looks like it could be a major money spinner. Are you guys going to be able to retire to Florida in your 50s? What's a money spinner? I don't know. It must be something they say down in Florida. Um, We did have a Patreon. It's been a long, winding road to... to, Yeah, we did. We had a Patreon. We had subbable. And, and then, then when they went over to we Patreon, converted to Patreon, and we're there for about a year and a half, and wh- and we stopped it because we didn't like Shit, the I don't tier even remember system. Because Which... yeah, like, Subbable got bought by Patreon, uh-huh. so we got rolled over. We didn't have a choice in that. But but I thought we like immediately when that happened started working. Yeah, on we the did. Club. We did. We did because we're like, this is bullshit. Like this, like uh, the fact that. You know, Patreon, this is this gotten them in trouble a couple other times since is like, I don't like my contract between you guys and me having mm-hmm. a third party in there. Yeah. Like Subbable had a very specific reward mechanism in place. And then when they sold out to Patreon, it was different. And their response was, oh, well, you don't owe like like you don't. There's no obligation to honor any particular rewards. There's mm-hmm. no I'm like. That really sucks. Like, uh, that's I don't like being forced to change the terms on people with, with no recourse. So, we kind of rolled our own. Now, that's something because you're right. Patreon's very popular. It would be interesting to have like a scaled down version of the club that we could run from Patreon or some way to merge those yeah. together. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I we haven't quite gotten any of that figured out. Like how to like if there's a I would love that like, where you could support us by subbing on Twitch. Or going to Patreon, or going to the club, and the experience is mostly the same, but there's a little bit differences and pluses for each one, and then people can say like whether they want to be on all three, or they want or, to be. Or on there's this like one a hierarchy to it, right? Like the yeah. club, you will get everything, everything we ever do. Right. Like if if you know we were doing 
premium Twitch stuff, you'll get access to that, right? We'll post it on the website for you. Yeah. Like the club kind of being the alpha of mm-hmm. of ways to interact with Bald Move. But then having, yeah, like lower tiers where, okay, well, Patreon is suitable for these things. So let's let the people who want to do Patreon and don't really want to do the club totally do it there on their yeah. own terms, right? And they'll get the subset of content that that Patreon is suitable for, that kind of stuff. That would be cool. And I, I don't know, it's something we haven't thought much about, but maybe for the future. Um, as far as retiring to Florida in my 50s, nah. I I'd, would not retire to Florida in my 30s or my 40s yeah. or my 50s yeah, or my 90s. I, I, uh, Florida's my, not my, a place for me. My current plan is to retire to a sailboat in like 15 or 20 years and then go wherever the hell I want, um, weather permitting. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, are you are you friends or mortal enemies with your other my other fave podcasters, the Shad on TV crew? I I'm, I would say neither. Yeah. Uh, I've we've interacted with them. Actually, they were part of I think they were part of the, the pod, uh, pack? pod pack that we did for Game of Thrones a few years ago. Uh, so definitely not mortal enemies. Don't know that I'd call them friends, even mm-hmm. though I've interacted with them. Yeah, uh, we need to meet them in real life. Now, yeah, everyone yeah. that we've met in real life, we become friends with. So there's everyone, a good chance. Yeah. There's a good chance. I can't. There's no podcast where we've met and we're like, oh, this fucker's an asshole. No. We've all we've become good friends with everybody. So um, we need to get together sometime, I guess. All right, Alistair asks uh, if we are aware of XJW activists such as John Cedars, and if we'd ever consider doing an interview about our experiences in the religion. He says he knows some people currently in the organization, and I'm so curious about how people come to wake up. And how best to help others wake up. I really like John Cedars. I admire what he's, he does. Uh, I do subscribe to his content because, you know, my son has still got like one foot in that door. So I like to keep up with like what uh, you guys know, just watching some content about what they're doing the summer series, the the district assemblies. And I was watching his commentary and some of the things they're doing because I, I like to know. Like, if they're going to do some scary Armageddon shit, like, what I'm going to have, like, when he gets back from this thing, what I'm, what he's going to be asking me about and talking to me about. Um, as soon uh, as soon as he's, like, if he ever definitively is like, yeah, this is not for me, and then I'll probably unsubscribe and wish John well. But he's really, <laughs> yeah, he's a really cool guy, and he's very good at, like, explaining, like, to people that are, like, like he's very good at, he's a very good advocate for why the Jehovah's Witnesses are particularly dangerous as a religious movement and how destructive they are to people's lives and families. And he does it in like a cheerful, uh, non-combative, uh, but very definitive and firm way. He's, he's, uh, and I would, if he ever wanted to interview with me, I would, would do it in a heartbeat. Um, but I just, um, I, I, I wouldn't know how to put I, I guess it's kind of like more of like at this point, people need to kind of ask me if they want me on and I always say yes or no. But like for me to be like, hey, John, I'm a kind of sort of podcaster deal and TV and film and I'm an ex-Jehovah's Witness. Do you want to have me on your show? I, I don't I don't I don't even know what that conversation would go like. Probably like that. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't obviously you don't you never cared about the shit to begin with. So the idea of keeping up on the Jehovah's Witness organization yeah i mean i was i was for a long time into like i guess the atheism movement uh not like oh i was out there you know protesting christian events or anything right but like i I kept up on it uh similar the way you do with xjw stuff so like i'm not 
completely uninterested in that kind of content, but I just don't have a good reason to to pursue it at the moment. It does seem like when because I've I've do- I've dealt with a lot of ex witnesses. Um, I was good friends with an ex Mormon, um, and I'm not trying to draw equivalents to those religions or experiences. I'm just telling you. It seems like when you get out of something like that, that takes up so much of your life and then you later come to regret, there's two reactions. One is like, I want to get out. I want to start my life and I never want to think about that shit ever again. Mm -hmm. And the other reaction is to kind of get stuck. Like, you know, being constantly re-traumatized because you're continue to immerse yourself and complaining about that world and everybody's different everybody goes like everybody's got to deal with stuff but i like i I used to be a lot more into like the r slash xjw site some xj jehovah's witness forums and eventually like after i got some healing and some therapy I, i felt like why am i like i this just bums me out like i this doesn't represent my life anymore mm-hmm. um and then you kind of drift away and like i said I, I still subscribe to john because he's pretty positive and 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 funny and, and interesting and engaging but i am looking forward to the day where i can pay it no more mind yeah uh john what's the most unexpected thing you found about podcasting yeah do it enough and just like anything it feels like work <laughs> Um, uh, in in some cases, yeah, yeah, you do it enough. It's uh... but that's true of anything. I, I don't feel like that's like oh, a thing I've discovered about podcasting. It's more like a thing I've discovered about life. <laughs> like you do anything too much, you got you got to have a balance. Um, unexpected thing I found about podcasting. It's just, I guess, the relationships people form with you seem like it's because it's a more of an intimate media. And it does seem like people, uh, you know, like like there's an intimacy and a closeness in a podcast conversation where you do really feel like you're you're a part of it. Like even if you're not, like you know, you you, you can easily imagine yourself at the table or on the couch or in the car with this conversation. You're in the back seat and you chime in from time to time and you're laughing and 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 it's 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 really and I've I've been constantly amazed at how many people have had these like you know form these relationships with us and how supportive they are and how kind they are. And like all the time people, um, are talking about how, like, uh, you know, just a couple weeks ago we had uh, back to back, like a guy like with the, you know, his, his dad dying in a hospital and, you know, our game of Thrones coverage was kind of bright in his day. And then there was another guy that chimed in last week on the expand or the Chernobyl podcast that, uh, he had tragically lost his wife in childbirth and he's now got this kid and like, you know, the weird really mean a lot to him. And I know that that, you know, Mike and Jerry on Penny Arcade are one of the two guys that got me through when that, that one year gap where I got out of Jehovah's Witness and kind of kicked off and everybody disowned me. And I only had like a friend or two in the whole world. Like they were kind of like my friends. So that, that kind of pseudo relationship, but real relationship has been an interesting thing to experience. Um, and it's been rewarding. There's also, it's like kind of, uh, it's also kind of weird and strange too, but, uh, I guess that's the thing that surprised me most, how people, how much people would like identify with, with us. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, if you could have luscious locks of hair or your current glorious beard, which would you choose? I used to have luscious locks. I had a pretty good hair to hair. Uh, and I feel like I could have had them both. There was a time where I could have done it. I could have had it all. 
Oh, and yeah, my, just... my bit, like, I wish I'd grown my hair out when I was 20, in my 20s, tw- like, grow my hair out to, like, shoulder length with a cool beard in my 20s or something. I don't know. That wasn't me back in the day, but I guess I associate, I for real associate me as a, with a clean shaven as a Jehovah's Witness. Like, the few times I've shaved my beard bald, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, my my uh, buddy tricky. Uh, my buddy Nick used to say it's like uh, you're rocking the hoe face, <laughs> uh, and it would get yeah, it kind of fuck with me. Like it's it's seeing the stranger in a mirror. So yeah, I guess I even if I could grow out the hair, if I had to give up the beard, I'd, I'd keep the beard. Yeah, I'd say you look at least three times better with a beard than without. The m- more of my face I can cover here. Let me. <laughs> I just keep getting better. Yeah. Keep, oh my god, I've never never looked better. I've never, <laughs> never looked better. All right. All right, Jessica. Next, next uh, are Aaron and Cecily still planning on doing an advice podcast? I really hope it happens. Yes. Things keep getting away. Recently, her employment by bald move. Great. <laughs> uh, Jenny asks, if you could have an hour-long exclusive interview with either Peter Dinklage or Andrew Lincoln, who would you choose and why? I'd go uh, with the, the, the Dink. And I, 100%. I, I would just bug him about Destiny. All right, yeah. <laughs> I'd go like deep in the Destiny lore. I have some questions about Ghost. Yeah. And he'll be like, that's not my dog. What are you oh, talking no, about? Oh, no, I'm talking about oh. the artificial construct known as ghosts <laughs> that were imbued by the Traveler's Light, Peter Dinklage. You did read the script, right? <laughs> uh. Once. And it was, uh, I was coked up. Uh, yeah, it, it would definitely be Dinklage because I wouldn't have to ask him about the shitty stuff. Because, like, there's genuinely nothing I've seen of Dinklage's work that I thought was bad. Mm-hmm. So, with with Andrew Lincoln, like, I'd have to ask him about some really awful shit in The Walking Dead. I would say he was never the problem. No, his acting was, was serviceable to very good at times. Yeah. Like, n- not Andrew Lincoln's problem, but the material itself. Ugh. Yeah. It'd be, uh, yeah. It'd be, I feel like it'd be awkward for both of us, you know? Right. Or Peter English, man. Like, I, I'm struggling, like you said, I'm struggling to think of anything he's done that's been kind of a full on disaster. Yeah. Uh, you know, even the last season of Game of Thrones, he didn't exactly, he didn't exactly smirk, besmirch his reputation. No. He was really good in it. All right, Gianna, I understand why you guys opted out of Star Trek Discovery coverage, but w- it will be a crime if you don't give the new Picard show a watch, don't you think? I mean, you're a John Luke namesake, right? I've had to listen to substandard podcasters covering Discovery for two seasons. I'm going to need my bald move guys on this one. I think you should announce it on June 16th, Captain Picard Day, as I'm sure you're aware. Make it so. How is June 16th? Because I <laughs> because Picard they dubbed Day? it so. I don't know. It, it might be John Luke's birthday in the show or something. I, uh, I Captain have no Picard idea. Picard Day. So Memory Alpha, of course, has an article on here. Of course. Uh, was an annual event held aboard the USS Enterprise D for the ship school children. I remember, okay, I remember oh, Picard Day. Yes. But why, why this date for it? It must have been that day. I don't know. They didn't, they it was Stardate star, 2.37.99. Yeah, but the Stardates always, like, translate, right? You can Do always, they? like... I thought so. I don't know. I thought there was, like, a... People had figured it out, you know? Hmm. Oh, like, the, I oh, wonder if, if it was Stardate. Is it the 6th? Is it the sixth season, episode sixteen, or something like that? I don't know. Um, there, this is this page is supposed to explain it to me, and it has not, and it's pissing me off. But I think the chances of us are covering this Picard series are better than Discovery, simply huh. because John Luke uh, yeah. is the is in it. Simply because Patrick Stewart is awesome. 
Yeah, no, I, I would like to. I would like to for sure. Um, Patrick, what would the average? What should the average speed limit in the United States be? I, I, I don't have a real problem. with Seventy-five. Yeah, I don't know what it is right now. Like an average. I do miss, but the, it should be ten miles per hour higher. Whatever it is. Uh, I do miss the days in like you know Kansas and Montana where the like the daylight speeds were like reasonable and prudent, and it was eighty-five at night. Uh, I was able to do some driving. Eighty-five. Wow. Yeah, it's eighty-five at night, and then daytime there was this effectively no speed limit, like reasonable and prudent, like you know, and there's probably how do you if, argue that? How do you ever give anyone a ticket? Like you if weren't doing, doing something reasonable dangerous, and prudent like if speed. they're going eighty, hundred miles an hour in the rain, or like if there's snow, like you know. But Mario Andretti can drive hundred miles an hour in the rain, and that's reasonable and prudent for Mario uh, in a Andretti. Legal car? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff Gordon can do 110 miles an hour is, in the rain. Like these places where there, there, like there'd be no like the idea that you'd pass a cop would be almost laughable. Like if you're doing 115 miles an hour in these spots, like you're not going to see a cop. But like when you get close to a city or a town, slow the fuck down. I, I don't yeah. know how it worked, but I just remember. I just don't know how you thing. enforce a ticket. Like you walk in there and say, "No, it was perfectly reasonable and prudent for me to be doing that speed at that given time." Yeah. Prove prove me guilty. Maybe like, it was like a, a obscenity laws. They just know it when they see it bullshit <laughs> uh all right your turn me uh mary what is each of you like the most and least about your job at ball of move i feel like we've mostly covered this uh i mean like i like it's so cool right now because like we're planning on the studio and we don't really know what we're doing but it, I, I know whatever we come up with is going to be fucking amazing because i just look at some of the other stuff like uh I don't think we do this enough, but like just to kind of sit back and think about like how far we've come. Like now, you know, we started off in like my spare bedroom. We graduated to your spare bedroom. We got an office that was twice the size of your spare bedroom. And this office space is now four times the size of that. And we're going to have like two full studios in it. Like um, that kind of stuff, like figuring out new camera stuff and how we're going to get the look and feel and the editing of our videos and stuff down. Like that stuff is so satisfying. And just sometimes when the podcasts come together and we just like genuinely like tickle each other, those are like great moments that happen. Seem like, like on a weekly basis. Um, the idea that like, I don't dread coming into work. Mm-hmm. Like I used to like, I, I, there's a couple of times where I would go to places and I just like, Oh Jesus, I don't fucking even want yeah. to go in. It's like bum me out to think about work. Now I have too much of it, but it never like bums me out thinking about it. No, I never, I never think, oh God, I gotta go in the office. Uh, uh, for me, it's the the stuff where we get to be a little experimental and weird and creative. Yeah. Um, like I had a ton of fun editing our our intro for our Kerbal, uh, Bald Move Space Administration or whatever the fuck we called it. Uh, that was a ton of fun. The the Giamatti thing, frankly ton of work but also a ton of fun from the writing process all the way to the editing uh that was great the worst stuff for me is always just the stuff that gets repetitive and i i have committed to it and so i begrudgingly do it but just like you know i've been grinding on this show that i don't really care about for 10 weeks and Mm -hmm. ugh, i gotta go do another one of those podcasts or i gotta watch this show that i only marginally care about it's always the stuff that's more like free form and I don't know. Those are the things I like to do. Yeah, the worst where it wears me down is covering shows I just don't care 
Like, it's not a bad show. It's just like, you know, yeah. uh, it's like, ah, man, like, I already can tell this season's not going to make me happy. Like, yeah. like you know, late in the season two of Westworld's a bummer. Everybody's angry. This season of Game of Thrones was kind of rough. There's been seasons of Walking Dead like that. Mm-hmm. You know, some Fargo seasons like that. Some Mr. Like, the things where it's not necessarily bad. It's just like, ah, I got to. I got to choose a side and it's not fair to the shows. It's going to piss off some segment of fans and the accusations that, Oh, you're only saying this because you want ratings or you're only saying this because it's the, like, you know, come on. I, I, I that the, those are the, the people who are saying that are only the, the people who recently found us and have that expectation yeah. of all content. Yeah. I think Cause it, man, we don't fucking do that. I yeah. do not say I like a thing if I hate a thing. Right. And vice versa. We don't yeah. hate on something just because it's not like... I, I do think there are shows like that, like the Pardon the Interruption guys. I love Mike Wilbon and uh, fuck, I've just... Uh, just spaced the other guy. But like they are very open about the fact that they, they flip a coin about who's going to have the bad take and the good take. And you Yeah. Know, they, I'm not saying they make shit up, but I'm saying they definitely kind of... There are hot takes that are takes that are hot. And mm-hmm. I don't... Sometimes we have hot takes, but they're because we genuinely believe them. It's not we. Well, we, I, that's the thing. I've learned to trust my my feeling on a thing, mm-hmm. right? If I nine times out of ten, when I think something is either exceptionally bad or exceptionally good or just you know kind of whatever, I give my opinion, and then I go and look, and it's like, oh yeah, everybody's saying this. Like either it's super polarizing, and you've got fifty percent of the people hating something or fifty percent loving, uh-huh. and I'm obviously going to come down on one side or another. Uh, with my just my opinion on it uh-huh. uh i feel like whenever i have a strong opinion about something it's almost always lines up with what i read afterward and, or if not like there'll be a vocal minority or it's, it's not like people are gonna be like i don't know what jim was there's it, it's just about like i i, I now trust myself trust enough guy, to yeah. where i never go into a podcast thinking oh man if i say what i really think about this people are gonna get pissed and we're gonna lose fans no because Honestly, that's the the best thing you can do for a fan is give your honest opinion. Uh, there was a two parter that I think so. Uh, yeah, she continues with your increasing audience and success. Are you feeling any pressure to make changes that you don't want to make? Um, I th- I think yeah. Um, I-, I know for a fact that the community interaction stuff has suffered. And we're having to make changes around that, that I know, you know, when we started early on, it was like, oh, we enjoy talking with fans and stuff. And now it's gotten to the point where there's so many of them can't possibly interact. How do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah, I missed the days early on when I got to meaningfully participate in every social media thread and every forum thread that I could give. I read every email closely. I was able to respond to, like, if you didn't get your message read, you at least got a personal response from me. Um, I try to hold on to that stuff as long as you can, and it's always painful to, like, oh, we've grown, we've outgrown a milestone that, like, this is the point where I can no longer read every interesting email. Mm -hmm. And, like, sometimes it's nice to get a show that's smaller where you can go back. Like, Chernobyl's been fun because, like, you know, it's like anyone has sent, like, a reasonable and meaningful feedback on that. If they send it to the right mailbox, because he also gets, like... 
these are not sluice things. Like it all goes to host at baldmove.com, but they get stamped with the right, and I use those to filter. So like I, I after the fact, I always see like a couple people that got into the sluice because they mm-hmm. weren't paying attention to what you know they're sending it to the Game of Thrones or whatever. But like, yeah, like sometimes it's nice to go to smaller shows that that you could you can have meaningful feedback. But like if shows get big, there's going to be a point where like okay, I can no longer keep track. I can no longer you know, read all the mail. I can no longer read the mail on the thing. I can no longer respond to people. And, and that's tough. And, you know, cause like for long-term fans, it's probably painful for them too, because it's like, Oh, Aaron and Jim used to be around just as people more, but now like, you know, that, but that was also when we were doing one show a week and we had jobs and, you know, we could fuck around on our lunch hours and stuff. It's yeah. That, but that's the stuff that sucks. Like the, the personal touches that you used to be able to do and you can't anymore. Um, and I wish there was a way to scale. I wish I could Dr. Manhattan it and just split the Aaron consciousness into 12 different things and remerge it each night. But you can't. Not until I get exposed to dangerous levels of gamma radiation in an unauthorized nuclear test. Sarah, what happens if Aaron and Jim disagree? If this is too personal, I understand. If not, how do people so close on and off work resolve their conflicts? Um, the pattern I have observed with us, if I'm just being completely frank. Of what? If, if I'm being completely frank here, the pattern I've observed, uh-huh. our dynamic, is that we argue about it until either... Eh, it, it it rarely happens that if we have a disagreement, we settle it in one conversation. Um, so what we typically do is we argue about it, we drop it. And then later on down the road, somebody brings it back up and we're either, we repeat this process until we're either in a place where it makes sense to do the thing that's being suggested or the other person just gives in. Mm -hmm. And that has happened a few times over the course of Bald Move. Yeah, I think that there's always a point when we have like a heated disagreement um, where and when I say heated, I don't mean like screaming and yelling, but just more like be very like, I think your course of action will destroy bald move. And I equally think that your course of action has a potential to destroy bald move. Yeah. Uh, and we, in our infinite wisdom, we set this company up to where we, we both have a 50-50 say. So like, literally, I don't know what would happen if one of us just went off and like, you know, fuck you, I'm going to do it this way. Like there could be, act, <laughs> like, like, but uh, we never gotten that far because that, that would be like yeah. a constitutional crisis you're always hearing about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think there's some metagaming, like, uh, like I, at least I think it's like, you know, I, Jim let me have that one thing and maybe it wasn't as great as I thought, so maybe I'll try it his way or... Well, Jim, you know, like he's he's uh, he was really right about that last one, and this is kind of feels like that. Like the, the, it, 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 it's it's not like each game; it's not like a a game of poker where you're just a strange opponent. Like there's a lot of history that goes into, you know, and like I there's some things I listen to. Like I think Jim has a better ear for that I don't, um, and like I tend to like let him win more of those than other things that might be the reverse where it's like, no, I feel really strong because of my lived experience that this is true. Um, uh, so it, it, but it usually, yeah, like we get to a point in a heated disagreement where we realize we're 
no longer making new points. We're just restating yeah. the points that we've already made in a vain hope that the other person it just obviously they they're just too stupid to understand because if they understood well, what we're it's, really it's saying, it's that right combination of words, right? Like, yeah. what is the thing I can say here that will see them? Because I know there's to make them see it from my perspective, right? Because yeah. I'm so clearly right that if they right. could, if, if it's, it's a communication <laughs> problem, it's not a difference of. Uh-huh. Um, and when you get to there, it's like okay, it's, it's time to cut it, and yep. we'll come back next week and talk about it. Or and I think a- that's. The super important thing that we did do is yeah. neither one of us can unilaterally just say this is how we're going to do a thing. Right. Uh, on small things, sometimes like one of us just won't care and it'll yeah. be like, yeah, go do it however you want to do it. Right. Uh, but for big decisions, we set it up to where we each have the exact amount of say uh, as the other person. And it, I, I feel like it keeps us from making rash decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and, and at least everybody feels invested in the solution that we come up with mm-hmm. as opposed to like trying uh, some weird self-sabotage thing right where it's like fuck this this asshole put this plan into place that i hate right and so i'm gonna go in and not give 100 percent on this i'm yeah i'm just gonna shit all over it until i prove that it doesn't work and then we'll go do it my way there's a couple times because i i do feel like i'm the spokesman for bald move and there's been a couple times where like uh, we can do it this way, but I don't know how I'm going to sell it, man. Like, mm-hmm. this does seem like I don't understand how this is aligned with our doing this, or like, I feel like if I'm a fan, I feel like this. So, like, like I, but I never want to be like, well, Jim says this way, but wait until I get and poke shit. Like, yeah, if like we decide yeah. to do Jim's crazy plan, then I'm going to do whatever I can to make that crazy plan succeed. Right. Uh, I felt like that's never, it's never been an issue where I, because I, yeah, I've, I've, I've worked enough places where that's not true. Like, oh, you won the argument in the boardroom? Well, wait until we get to implementation, fucker. Wait until Who we get... Who is that yeah. helping? Dude, Who that's... Who the fuck is that helping? Well, so I many things about what's wrong Climbing with, that corporate ladder. Well, right? it's not just Like, that, I can prove every, this guy's plan is fucking wrong. Yeah, it's, it's all fun and games when you can be, like, these high-minded debates about things that don't matter. But when you get down to things that where people's lives are at stake or your livelihood is at stake or money's at stake, then it's like, you know, winning... It's this existential thing. Like, that's what's wrong with a lot of, you know, politics. And I don't know, because even then I say that and it's like, uh, I think I think people are bad at seeing what's life and death for people. Like, you know, there's a lot of like uh, a lot of healthcare. Yeah. Well, or just a lot of what's dismissed as identity politics is like, well, I don't worry about dying because I'm this person and I can never even conceive that someone will just snatch me up and beat the shit out of me and leave me for dead so this isn't important to me and if it's important to you it's because it's i didn't like that's just you know it's it sucks you know like this isn't this isn't just a esoteric point for me it's like i need insulin every month and i can't afford it and i'm gonna die you know like uh yeah like and if someone wins because of whatever political thing instead of like well, agree or disagree, this is the thing that the people want, so we're going to try to make this thing succeed. It's all about, you know, tearing it down and yeah. and it's it's like it's amazing that we went to the fucking moon. Like something that took 10 years to happen across multiple minutes. Like it, it's the 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 times that we come together and accomplish something are dwarfed by the times we don't and we try not to do that here at Bold Move. So, uh Katie, wait, no, this is your turn. Sorry. Oh shit. Katie. Uh, you both have 24 hours left to live. What do you both eat, drink, do, watch, and what final podcast would you record? Oh, I've got some good ones. Um, I found a very, this was my one that I'm like, 
everything that I've, I gave sincere answers. They're very highly personal. Um, and That's like the they also change from week to week. And it's a weird hypothetical, but I, the idea of a final podcast to record um, kind of caught my imagination because um, I don't know. I used to like I, I've talked about this a couple of times. I used to have this kind of dead man switch um, shell account set up uh, where I had like a series of emails that I had dictated to like, you know, friends and family that were going to be sent out. If as if I didn't like log in once a week and say snooze for the next week, so like if I died, there would be you know like you know like I had a message from my brother, a message from my dad, and they would all be delivered from beyond the grave. And I, I thought that was in the, like every year revisiting that and seeing like oh I'll want to edit this or you know maybe like that was always sad. Like I don't think this person even gets an email anymore, or here's a new person in my life that gets an email. I don't do that anymore. And but like. As a podcaster, I could have like a whole series of like private YouTube videos that everyone would get the link to. At the, and I'm like, maybe I should do something like that, like send and like, you know, what was if I had a 15 minute thing to say to my son um, as a final word or Cecily or you or like, what would that look like? Um, I'm not going to give you any of those answers. <laughs> yeah. But this is a wow. That's way more serious. Yeah, I took it. <laughs> yeah, but eating and drinking and all that shit—that's I, 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 I don't know. I don't. I've know. got it all. I've got all of it. I Hit wrote it gym. all down. All right, I would eat a Neapolitan margarita pizza from Gusta Pizza in, Flor- right. in Florence, Italy. Oh, uh, one of my favorite pizzas. Uh, I would drink. <laughs> I would finally crack open on the last fucking day of my life. Uh-huh. Uh The four bottles of Invergordon <laughs> I've got. <laughs> the Invergordon fifty or twenty five. Still, still saving twenty five. Uh yeah, that boutique whiskey company, batch number we, nine. The day we get the studio finished, yeah, yeah, that lunch we gotta crack that thing open for sure. We will drink. Yeah, uh, I have like I said, I have many bottles. We need to celebrate our successes more for sure. Yeah. Uh, what? Oh, what would I watch? I would watch the rest of Lost, Halt and Catch Fire, and Deadwood. <laughs> I'd just kind of catch up on the three shows that I haven't finished that I really do want to finish. I feel like there's more than twenty four hours worth of stuff to watch there. No, I mean Deadwood. I got like another season. Lost eighteen hours. Lost. I have like two episodes in Hall and Catch Fire. I thought you had a full last season. No, I've uh, got. I'm very close to the end of Lost. Wow, I've been for ten years. Wild. Yeah. Uh, And then for my for my final podcast, I would make it a twenty four hour live stream, the last for seventy two hours because that's how long it takes them to find my body. (laughs) (laughs) So I would just turn turn the live stream on. And I guess I would die at some mm-hmm. point during that because mm-hmm. it's my last day. Guess I'll die. And then they'd find me when people got bored of watching a dead body, I guess. Yeah. They want to see the putrefaction. Yeah. He's really swelling up today. Must be hot there. Uh, final question. Holy cow, it's been a long one. Jacob, yeah. this is a very specific hypothetical. If Lost were rebooted or spun off sometime in the next decade, would you guys do a podcast for at least the first season, given that only one of you have watched the original show in its entirety. Neither of us have. Uh, yeah. Some some yeah. are a lot more behind than others. I would definitely jump on a Lost reboot. A reboot or Lost? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Or spin, or even a spinoff I would be in for. Because mm-hmm. I, I was all in on Lost. I just, at the end of season two, I'm like, I'd just gotten fresh off of the disappointment of the being an X-Files fan. And yeah. like, this feels very Chris Carter to me. This feels like... They don't. They're making this shit up as they go along, which is fine. But it, you know, my my history of a television watcher that usually blows up in faces more than it becomes rewarding. 
Like, if you don't even have any kind of in your steering towards, like, what the fuck? So, because, like, Lost as a tight 10 to 12 episode season... Oh, uh, yeah. Like, I know how this is going to end, and I'm going to and I'm going to do all this, like, crazy science fiction, fantasy, time travel stuff to get there. Mm-hmm. Could be really cool. Like, clean that up. Pick what you're actually trying to do and do it with the full knowledge that that's where you're moving. Um, it, yeah, it would be it would be a day one cover for sure. And that is how you do a 50 million Q&A podcast. I wouldn't expect another one of these for... A hundred million. A hundred right? million. hundred million sounds like something that yeah. you're, you're... I mean, we've been slowly... Yeah. Last one was 10. This was 50. So 50, uh, yeah. Like, uh, no, we did... We did... We didn't do a 25. No, we did a 10 and a 20. Did we really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it'll take a good long... Unless unless uh, Westworld, uh, The Expanse, and... Uh, the, the, I mean, I, it's it's going to be interesting to see like how many people come back for like the the prequels, the the Game of Thrones prequels. There's also this like big Lord of the Rings project Amazon's got going on. I don't yeah. Like, there's so much shit that could be huge. You just don't know what it is. So like, this could be. It might take us three years to get the, or it might take us a year and a half. I don't know. Um, but if you have been interested in hearing us talk about random questions from people, boy. Have I got a value add for you? Uh, <laughs> go to club.baldmove.com, and there's literally hundreds of shows called Lunch with Jim and Aaron where we do this. Sometimes we do other things like carve a pumpkin or tell stories or uh, do weird stuff with video stuff. But mostly we just we just uh, do jukebox stuff like this with our, our fans. It's a lot of fun. Um, tons of other uh, club content if you want to get on the club. But... Uh, Thank you so much for getting us here. It's been a wild ride. Uh, the only thing I can promise is we're going to go forward to the future as forthright and as, as as authentic and as transparent as we've 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 gotten to this point. Um, I still like like I said, Bald Move is the best job I've ever had. Uh, I have I feel like I do have a, a real close personal relationship with a lot of you people. Um, I recognize a lot of faces and names and the forums and the emails and on Twitch and it's really cool, uh, to get to know you people. And, um, I'm really excited to see what is ahead in the years to come. Any last words from you, Jim, on the 50 million celebration? Yeah. I mean, thanks for everything. Uh, it's definitely changed my life. Bald move for the better. Uh, 99% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and couldn't do it without you. That's that's as that's as trite a statement as I could possibly come up with here. It's the truth, though. I like, know I, that, that's I, the thing. Things become trite because they're they're so often true. Bald move regret. I can't adequately express the appreciation I feel to be allowed to do these things. Like sometimes it hits yeah. me, like when you know, uh, like right now we're in the middle of building a studio and how cool that is, or like when I get paid to watch a star wars movie or something like it's like just like god i can't if i could go back and tell seven-year-old me what was laying ahead he'd never believe it um yeah but i i wish i wish you guys felt like a tenth of uh the excitement and gratitude i feel towards uh the bald move community that's it we'll see you for another one uh there's always stuff going on at bald move tv and bald movies uh if you haven't already find those on your feed and subscribe or follow us on social media so because i know you know, we don't cover everything. We don't cover everything to everyone's taste, but if you stick around, there'll be something that'll lure you back. Uh, 
see you at 100 million if we don't see any other time before. And until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Happy 50 million, everybody.